Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening, and go Cougs. We love Tuesdays. And here we are uh, at another one. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, welcome to the Wise Guys. And uh, here we are, August 9th. Every time, every second that passes, we're closer to kickoff. Which, it, it's amazing. And we're finally, now we're, we're in fall camp, and we're, we're able to get our eyes on the guys. And, uh, and football, we can taste it now. Yeah. There's games this week in the NFL. You know, we, the countdown's real now. And we were making the countdown, and we were like... We were counting down to the countdown. Yeah, we were counting down to when <laughs> practice starts. And, and now we're counting down to games. It's, it's awesome. You know and, what I love? There is, a, there is a buzz about this show. In the yeah. circles we bounce around with, whether we're at practice or, or with folks or, or just anywhere, uh, hey, love the wise guys yeah, or and, love the podcast. And, and I'll tell you what, we, um, we're always going to be grateful to, to those that were with us from the very beginning. And, and, and guys like guys that are on here with us right now, BYU Sports Addict and, and uh, BYU uh, Boy 716 says he's back. We missed him last week. Welcome back. And uh, uh, th- those folks. And, and, and is it Bill Reich saying he's finally able to listen live, uh, which, hey, we, which we appreciate. But, but especially those that have subscribed and helping us out, get this thing off the ground. But it's gaining a lot of momentum. And we're hearing yeah. about it. People we're running into all over the place saying, hey, we're – we're catching your show. People in, involved with the program, some of the players, saying, "Hey, really cool show." How this can I really get on cool. that show? Yeah, I want to get on the show. Um, and uh, and everybody we've asked to come on the show has been really excited to come on with us. Um, and we got some. We've had great guests. We some a listers. I just, I just ran into our our first national champion guest this afternoon. Oh yeah, to Ashton. Oh good. And she, uh, I said, "Hey, I got it." I'm running to do this and this and this, and then I got to go do the show, the one where you were the first national champ ever on the show. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so. so thank you, and uh, we're giving everybody a chance to, to get on with us uh, at ysguys.com. Welcome. And uh, if you want to interact with us, go to Twitch like a lot of folks have. Sign up for a free account, and then you can jump on. You can ask our guests questions. You can ask us football questions, which is what we're really here for and going to get into as we launch into our first season of the wise guys we just finished up after further review over on byu tv and then we came over and today we started breaking down positions spent a lot of time with the defense secondary and and the defensive line it feels like there's like 40 guys in the backfield and 40 guys uh at the line of scrimmage depth is not an issue no and that's to compete at the level that byu's been competing the last couple years in independence and that they'll have to compete at to be in the big 12 you have to be deep. Yeah. You have to have good guys, and you have to have a bunch of them because it's such a physical game. And when you're playing six, seven next year in Big Big Twelve time, they'll they'll play nine or ten P five schools. You just have to have depth. To to it's a war of attrition. You got to have depth to last the season. To have a special season, your key guys have to be healthy. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't matter who you are. Like a. Uh, you know, you, even if you're Alabama, you lose your starting quarterback and 
and your premier running back and your best linebacker. You're not winning the league. No, you're not winning the league. And, yeah. and you know, like in BYU's case last year, when you lose your first four linebackers, I that's I'll, a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And the freshman for has to be the leading tackler, right. which he was in Ben Bywater, but yeah, that was the problem. He doesn't look like a freshman anymore. No, he's he is he's like the Hulk. Yeah, he, he, looks, on, he looked like the incredible Hulk. He's on a different. He's like, on a different plan than that dude. Than a lot that of dude us. looks like an NFL middle backer right now. Yeah, and, and, uh, and you know what? Talking to him and listening to him talk, he's just so excited about uh, being out there and and, and to have Keenan back yep. and Peyton back because it allows him to. He doesn't have to worry about everyone else. He can just yep. do his he thing. Just play and he's playing inside and he's looking really really good. Yeah. So, so if you missed. Uh, AFR, you can go to the BYU TV app, which is also free, and you can watch that anytime, as many times as you yeah. want, um, as we're now into the players, and the players took, take took us to the real, game. Took a real good look at the secondary today and, yeah. uh, and outline. We didn't even get to all of them. That's how deep they are. Yep. And we took a real good look at the defensive line, so make sure you catch that. Uh, I've got my Cubs shirt on today. Hey, B, I, you wanna, which linebacker has the highest NFL potential? BYU boys, 716. Here's what's crazy. I th- I think, I think there's four right now, and I'm not even talk about the young guys. There's four. Well, some of these guys are still young. I, I think that Peely, Wilgar, Bywater, and Tooley all have the physical skill set to make it in the NFL. Who's got the highest potential? I mean, Peely looks like an NFL guy right now. Yeah, and um, Wilgar. If he can is stay right healthy, there. Wilgar's right there. I mean. Both I, those guys are getting I, plenty I, I of think, looks. I think that both of those guys are draft picks. And Ben Bywater's a couple years away, but if he keeps developing, he's a draft pick. You know, yeah. So if I was, I was to rank them right now, I don't know. I'm, I almost think Peely and Wilgar are, are 1A and 1B, and they're interchangeable, and one might be 1A one week and another the 1B. I do think before it's all said and done, both of them are draft picks. It's going to be exciting to see. I hope they all don't go next year because BYU needs to have a good group going into the – into the Big 12. So I've got this Cubs shirt hey, on today. How about this? Robbie Yuki gifted five subscriptions to our community. Thanks, of, man. Of, of followers. That's, whoa. That's what I'm talking about Unselfish. That's a team guy That's right there. That's a team player right there. That's pretty Welcome to the wise awesome. guys. That's Can I tell cool. you about my shirt? Yeah. So What's up with the it's Cubs? It's got the Cubs shirt on, and those on the podcast, just imagine the greatest Cubs shirt that, that they've yeah. ever put together. Well, Michael Rucker, BYU's only Baseball player on a 40-man roster in the major leagues. He pitches for the Cubs out of the bullpen. Since the All-Star break, he's had four appearances, 4.2 innings. He's allowed one hit and no runs. That's outstanding and, for a guy and, coming out of the pen. You know what? So you're flying. So your I'm t- flying the colors. And everybody knows Dave. For Michael here's the Rucker. thing about Dave: you can't begrudge him the Cubs because he loves them when they're awful, which they are, and he loves currently. them when they're occasionally good, which they were. Um, yeah, and so. <laughs> So he's don't even bring the Yankees and, in here. We all I, we all know what the Yankees are. They're good. Maybe if you guys get to know Dave really good, so um, don't still, don't don't go there. Oh, okay, don't don't let's, because let's not do that. I'm just gonna say I went to the, see the Cubs and my guy took care of me, and I was sitting on the third baseline in the fifth row, right behind the dugout because because of Mr. Dave McCann. It's uh, so cool to be back there. It's awesome. And uh, it's, it's like it's you better can just, when the team's better. If you, t- if you inhale, you can just smell the history in, yeah. in that ballpark. Like and, as opposed to when you're in Vegas and you inhale 
Then you, you got to go get yourself checked for no, some kind of. If you inhale, you smell money in Vegas. <laughs> is that what it no, is? And it's, it's money. It's money going right down the tubes. Is what I'm talking about. It's not making it's money. I'm the tubes. About. It's, it's giving it away. We're excited to get to Vegas here coming up. Um, let's roll out the tease now that we've had a chance for folks to get in. We're going to try to get to to your comments tonight. We've got some great guests coming up tonight. We have two hours of awesome football and basketball and. And uh, we're going to get after Texas and USC, too. But let's roll out the tease. Yeah, so fall practice has been going on for a week. Um, you and I have both had a chance to, to be at practice and to take things in. Um, we'll share our impressions so far about, uh, you know, who's, who's looking good, uh, who's, you know, filling out that depth chart, um, who's making plays. All of that we'll talk about. And while we wait for the first AP Top 25 poll of the year, which is next Monday, first coaches polls out. We got some issues with yeah, it. Major issues. We're not happy about it. We're going to talk about that. We want we want to talk about that with with you folks on, on what the what in the world's going on. We sure, to that. We're sure you'll have yeah, a few so, opinions. So single on game that. tickets um, are just hours from going on sale to the general public. Yeah. So um, we'll have all the details. We'll let you know what you need to do to get inside LaBelle uh, Edwards Stadium when those F-15s. With with our guy Clark, yeah, at the helm, at the helm, like leading that as a squadron leader, whatever we want to call. He's gonna be on this show in two weeks. He'll be on this show when he flies over Lavelle Edwards. So these are September tenth. These are these are the games. Like let's say you only want to go to the three big games. This is the time you can buy tickets to those games. Where season tickets better be at that Baylor game for that flyover. Hey, so so reports today indicating CBS is going to have a stake in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. media deal moving forward. What does that mean for the Big 12, BYU, and for the Pac-12 down the road? We're going to discuss that tonight. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not even going to talk about ESPN, but we're definitely going to talk about ESPN because there's some big news around, around ESPN. So um, former BYU star, Super Bowl champion Dennis Pitta is going to be here with us in a little bit. We'll ask him what he feels or what it feels like to catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So how many guests have we had on here? That have caught a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Zero. Right. We we've we had a guest on that caught a touchdown to take his team over the hump in the NFC championship game to get them to the Super Bowl, but then injured his foot on the play. We had a guest here that that was the holder for five extra points. Right. That's right. A Super Bowl record. Right. And um got got to, uh elevated because the greatest punter in the history of the game said, um, I can't so we had somebody that held that they got elevated off of the non-active list because the greatest punter in the history of the game was holding and, <laughs> and the kicker said... That was our Mark Wilson yeah, interview last where, week. I don't know if you missed that, but, that so but, good. but Mark Wilson got activated for the Super Bowl because their punter or their kicker bar said, I can't have Ray Guy holding no. for me anymore. Um, the greatest punter of all time, obviously not the greatest holder, holder of all time. What great stories Mark Wilson brought to us. So. You can go to wiseguys.com and listen to that interview Exc- anytime you excited want. Excited to have Dennis on with us because it's, it's uh, what, what, a, what a great player, great representative of BYU. And, man, I just – we'll talk to him about it. But injuries cut his career short because he was – Three on, times he's dislocated his hip. On, and on a, on a multi-pro bowl path was Dennis Pitta. So – BYU basketball coach Mark Pope's going to be with us live from we believe will be his backyard pool. That's that's what he that's said. That's what he indicated. That's what he told us. <laughs> we're not sure. Uh, we're not sure how that's going to how that's going to be, but we're excited about. it. He's been all over the world this summer looking for players. He's got his new roster together, a lot of new faces. One more season before he joins the toughest 
conference in America when it comes to basketball. So uh, we're excited to talk to him. We've we've been uh, we've been with him, associates with him, friends with him for a long, long time. I remember we'll have to ask him when he was at UVU. We did a game over there, and we said, "When are you coming back to be the head coach?" Yeah, yeah. And he wouldn't even entertain it. Of course, he couldn't. But deep down inside, we knew he knew that we knew. Yeah. And then it then it, it happened. happened. You know, but and we'll talk about this when we get Mark out. I, one of the things I love Mark for is he's just so transparent and so easy to work with. We were doing the BYU UVU game over there. Yeah. And uh, we just thought we wonder it like most coaches. We wouldn't even ask this question, but we go, let's just ask Mark. Hey, Mark, can we mic you up, like, for the pregame talk and, like, have a hot mic and just listen to you, coach? Yeah, listen, and, and leave it on all and, game. And leave it on. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Most coaches would be scared to death to do now, that. Now, we should say that um, Coach Rose would not do that. Yeah, that's true. Like, no, that's there's true. not a snowball's no. chance. Well, you, you, you tell me how many coaches would do that. Not many. But our, our guy, Mark Pope, is like, absolutely, let's do it. And it was phenomenal. Do you it, think it, that's what got him the job? That's what got him the BYU job. <laughs> they're like, he put a mic on no, for those like, guys. Let's bring him back. Well, no, and he's like, he put a mic on. And he speaks to what? the people. That guy is the kind of guy we want to lead our program. That's right. Because as my boys always say, Dad, I ain't scared. He wasn't scared. No. He was like, I ain't scared of that. And put we did promise me. that we wouldn't embarrass him and, that's right. and that's right. all that stuff. Well, he wouldn't embarrass himself. That's yeah. just who he is. He does. He's a phenomenal guy. He's composed. Um, that was a huge deal to me that he would do that for us. And, but and you know, like if sometimes, it turned out great. let's say I put a mic on you while you were working around the house and then you hit your thumb not with good. a hammer. Not good. <laughs> I might, well, we, not, we might have to go, guys, let's, let's cut out those not, five seconds. Not even that. Like, I don't even have to hit my, th- like, it's just not, <laughs> it's not good. I, so, like, I, I know I seem like I'm calm and collected, but I just. Things happen. Things no, happen. Today, I was on a. People that are watching can relate to this. I was on a very important Zoom call, and I had my mic on, and I'm like, what is that noise? And I look down, and my dog is fast asleep on the floor, like snoring so loud it can be heard over the thing, and, and I freaked out a little bit. It's just, it doesn't take much. Did the dog leave and go to the other parts of the house? Yep, yeah. I kicked her out. All right. I kicked her out. All right, here's our countdown as we're just moments away from Dennis Pitta. 18 days until the first college football games. Nebraska at Northwestern highlights the first Saturday, August 27th. Here we are on August 9th. Games run August 27th. We're in the month when there's games. We are in Which it. is pretty awesome. That's, that'll be a fun one, Nebraska at Northwestern. Interesting, they start out with a league game, a Big Ten league yeah. game right out of the chute. So uh, 25 days until BYU season opener at South Florida on September 3rd. Uh, BYU's excited. A little bit of a re- like, they handled them last year, but a revenge match for the last time they were down there, especially for Jaron Hall. Um, he's going to go down there with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And by the way, we'll have a two-hour pregame show. Yes, ready to go for you. That's we'll good, count yeah. you in on BYU TV two hours before kickoff and take you right to the start of that game. So Thirty-three days that. until the home opener against Baylor on September tenth. I was distracted. BYU boy said the Pitta's TD catch in the Super Bowl hurt me as a Niner fan. Hey. Prepare to get hurt again uh, tonight because we're going to talk about that. So, I, and Med, Medward one says that Hunter the punter is the greatest punter, though Mark Wilson's interview was a job. Wait a minute, <laughs> Hunter the punter was the biggest punter. It's Rico. But, was he bigger than Rico? Yeah, he was huge. Was he? Yeah, he was thicker than Rico. Rico's a big dude. Rico could yeah. play outside backer, DN. But come on, Ray Guy. The the award is named after him. Ray Guy is the. Is anybody really going to argue with me that Ray Guy's the greatest punter? I will admit. No one's going to The Hunter that. the Punter was fun to Lee watch. Lee Johnson was pretty good. Lee Johnson, amazing. Yeah. 
but we're not talking about the greatest in BYU history. We're talking about the greatest punter in the history <laughs> of the game of football. Yeah, so. that's the right guy. Dennis so. Pitt is going to be with us just yep. a second. Our NFL countdown, two more days until football. Giants at Patriots Thursday, awesome. Titans at the Ravens. Yeah, three days until we get a chance to take a look at Tyler Algiers' NFL debut. And isn't it interesting? He's going to play Jamal Williams mm. in that first match. Um, BYU single-season rushing leader against the all-time rushing leader. Did you see Jamal's... Uh, spirited speech to his team the other day he's it was crying he and uh, he i mean this, his sincerity just oozes out of him and fans love him yeah and you always talk about you want a guy that's good for your locker room is there a better guy for your locker room than jamal williams the problem is he's in the lion's locker room i know there's only so much you can do how can they be so crappy for so long i don't i mean know. anybody that can be crappy when barry sanders is starting a tailback that tells you all you need to know so so that game is on nfl yeah, network falcons at the lions um nfl network it's friday at four mountain four in the afternoon so, so yeah so make sure you get on there also friday night zach wilson the jets play at philadelphia um eight games on saturday including the colts and bills that's samson nakua um, who's trying to make that Bills roster. Or no, he's, he's try, uh, trying to catch on with Indianapolis. Neil yeah. Pau is trying to make the Bills. So you got Neil at – I'm trying to keep track of all this. Neil's with the Bills. Samson is uh, is Colts. trying to make the Colts. So um, that game's 2 o'clock Mountain on NFL Network. And the Vikings and Raiders Sunday night to wrap up week one of the preseason. So um, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, Zach's been a lot in the spotlight. Um, yeah, good, yes good, he has. Good and, good and crazy things, but – he, you know, if, if you play quarterback in New York, you're always in the news, no matter what you do. Um, but, but he's had a good camp. We, we've had read several reports where uh, he's really gotten in a rhythm. They've got a few more weapons around him. So I don't think Zach will play a bunch in that game, but, but we'll see how his timing and rhythm looks. Can they protect him for Pete's sakes? I think so. They've got some new linemen. Yeah, I mean, but last year was like it was the duck. It was the it was the chuck and duck. Yeah. That's what I felt the game plan was chuck and duck. 13 days until our Wise Guys watch party for the Jets and Falcons. That's Zach against Algier. Monday night, August 22nd, 6 o'clock Mountain Time on ESPN. The watch party is at ysguys.com and Twitch. So you watch the game at home. We watch the game here. We're on Twitch. We're interacting. We just hang out and, and talk hanging about out it. watching a football yep, we game. We talk about it. So that's 13 days away. At, Next so, at week. some point, not that game, but at some point we're going to figure out, we, we might have you guys just – We'll get some loungers or some, and we'll have a, a few of our, our followers. Bring in some loungers? We'll, yeah, we'll bring in some loungers. Some lounge chairs and, and some we'll loungers. And we'll have you come in and watch the game with us. That will be fun. That will be we'll fun. have to have some kind of a contest to do that. So Next week, Marie Osmond and Robbie Bosco will be here in studio. How about August. that combo? Yeah, and Marie's going to interview Robbie. Look at this graphic right here. You're not going to want to miss that. Marie interviewing Robbie, and we're going to hey, just kind of moderate just to make sure things don't get out of hand. I want to do one of those face. You know how you do the face change things on the on those filters. Don't and, do that to Marie and change faces because I think Marie. You want to put is, Robbie's face on Marie? Yeah, because Marie is beautiful, <laughs> and if I think if you put Robbie's face on Marie, I don't think it looks good. I don't think so. I don't even know. I don't think we even want to do that, <laughs> but maybe we will. August twenty third, Major Clark Heyman, uh, fighter jet pilot charge of our flyovers caleb chapman i talked to caleb last night had dinner with him he's going to play rise and shout on his saxophone with us here in yeah, studio I'm, I'm, on the 23rd i'm pretty excited i'm pretty excited about that brandon so. doman on the 30th and women's basketball coach amber whiting brand new coach yeah really excited to have it we had we had jen rockwood on here the head soccer coach and one of my favorite interviews of of the whole show so far because when we asked Jen if they were ready to play in the Big 12, she's like, oh, yeah, we'll compete for a championship right away. Yeah. Like, no hesitation. We'll, we'll play anybody, anytime. And they have a 
exhibition exhibition game against North Carolina, who's yeah this weekend. Yeah, BYU's preseason number three, and uh, and what's what's North Carolina? They ten ten yeah. So two yeah. top ten teams going at it. I, I love that, and then that carries over to her team, where where Jen's team is a reflection of her. They're like, yeah, we'll play anybody anytime, and and they they back it up on the field. You know who else had that attitude? Dennis Pitta. Yes, he did. He's our first guest. Started his BYU career as a walk-on. Ended as the Cougars' all-time leader among tight ends with 2,901 receiving yards, 83 receptions in a single season, and number two among tight ends with 21 touchdown receptions. One back of the legendary Gordon Hudson. Who I played with. Also a Super Bowl champion. Caught a touchdown in the world's biggest football game, defeating the 49ers. 34 to 31 in Super Bowl 47. That was in 2014. Please welcome the great Dennis Pitta, live from California. Hey, you shaved and pulled it all together for us tonight. Thank you so much for being and, here. And Dennis, the hair is on Anytime. point. You're looking good, brother. <laughs> is it? Thank you. I no, just, it, uh, it's good. I just showered and got cleaned up for you guys. We appreciate that. So, and it's especially good here. I just have to tell you, Dennis. Do you know how on Sports Nation? When, when Dave Wright co-hosts, and they always make us read at the end. They're like, hey, make sure you say sorry to Dennis Pitta. That kills me every time. Like, it hits me deep. I don't even do it. I don't even do Dave it. Won't, Dave won't do it. I'm like, okay, I'll go along with it, but but I don't like it. <laughs> but here, Listen, that it's, I, I appreciate that, but, you know, as long as your name's getting mentioned, I guess it's, so it's positive, okay. Right? It's okay. It may be in a negative context, but... Uh, you know, they're still saying my name over there, so I'm doing something right. Every single day on Sports Nation, Dennis's name gets mentioned as they go out, out yeah. to the last break. So that is something. <laughs> we have Unfor- plenty of time un- for un- you tonight. Un- unforgettable. So. It's awesome. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. Yeah, hey. Jerem, he uh, he thinks he's being mean to me by saying my name every night, but really the joke's on him. He's saying my name every day, <laughs> and uh, I'm getting the attention out of it. So, so that, my, my, that that bit you guys did when you had all the kids for the awards, remember that? And, and you <laughs> yeah, had all yeah. the kids, and they were ready with the signs and all that. That's, that is one of the classic all-time Sports Nation bits I've ever seen. It was great. <laughs> my kids really enjoyed being a part of that one. So they, uh, they were all pumped up, ready to be, uh, ready to be on TV, and um, – they, they still watch that one back all the time because they're, uh, they're TV stars now. <laughs> Dennis, we're watching a, a handful of former Cougars trying to make NFL rosters right now, this month. How hard is it to crack into that 53-man roster? Yeah, it, it, it can be very difficult. They, there's a lot of different factors, though. I mean, are you drafted? Are you undrafted? Um, you know, are you a guy on the bubble trying to make it on special teams? Are you, you know, a guy that's going to be – you know, contributor, a daily contributor on offense or defense. I mean, there's just so many, uh, you know, different scenarios for a lot of those guys. And, you know, you have guys like Fred Warner and, and Kyle Van Oy and uh, those guys that are just, you know, great players. And, uh, you know, Fred might be the best linebacker in the game right now. And so you have those guys and you have guys that are, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, just trying to make the roster and do whatever they can to hang on. And, and a lot of that is through special teams and, um, you know, one of those guys is I know is Matt Bushman, who, who's now with Kansas City. And, uh, you know, I've talked to him on, on multiple occasions. And, and my message to him is always, listen, it's tough being on the back end of that tight end depth chart. But if you are, a lot of times the only way you make it is through special teams. And, you know, being in the NFL for so long, you, you kind of see a guy has a chance if he's a a big contributor on special teams, if he's not, and he's on the back end of those depth charts, it's so difficult to make the 53 man roster. And uh, so I tell him, focus on that, 
be a beast on special teams and, you know, you'll get your foot in the door that way. And then you can slowly over time, prove yourself as a tight end and, and uh, you know, start to increase your reps that way. But yeah, I mean, it's tough. Listen, you know, the NFL is um, it's a tough business, but you know, it's exciting to see all the Cougars that are out there, um, you know, doing big things in that league right now. It's I, I think about, there's a several guys that fall into that category. Just mentioned like Bushman, Samson, Naku is trying to make the team as a wide receiver. He probably has to make his way onto that roster via special teams. And then you get a guy like Tyler Algier, who's, a, you know, a third-round draft pick. It, is it different for Tyler? He's a rookie, but but his risk of getting cut as a third-rounder is a lot lower. Am I right? It's very different. Tyler's in a in a totally different world than, than those guys on the bubble just trying to make the 53-man roster. I mean, Tyler's going to be on the roster. They've already invested enough in him just by drafting him in the third round that there's no way they're going to cut him. I mean, it has to be a complete disaster for him in in OTAs and, and, and training camp for him to get cut as a third rounder. I mean, it, pretty much all the way up through the fifth round, you've got to really, really be bad and do some really bad things on and off the field to get yourself cut, you know, come that time after training camp. So um, Tyler's in a great spot. I, I'm hearing good things about him coming out of training camp. And then, you know, hopefully this preseason goes well for him and he stays healthy and he can you know, get some get some touches out there on the field. I think he's a guy who could really make an impact on his team right away. What, what about Danny Sorensen? So Danny's in a unique situation. He's been a starter in the league, and now it you know he, he's kind of getting a little bit further along in his career. He signs this new contract with a different team other than the other than the Chiefs. What kind of role do you see, Danny? Because Danny at first made it just as you described, Dennis, as a practice uh, team player, and then on special teams. And then as a starter in, a, in, in Super Bowls, right? So now it's a different part of his career. You know, what, what do you see for Danny this year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Danny's going to still have to make his hay on special teams. You know, going to a new situation, I think it's always difficult, even as a veteran player. You're, you're in a new environment, new coaches. Um, yeah, they might have brought you in, but there's not the same, you know, type of early investment maybe as a guy who made the team as a special teamer and, you know, there with Andy Reid and kind of, you know, his BYU guy that he's kind of brought along. I think it's going to be a different situation for him. I still think he's going to have to be a beast on special teams, which by all accounts, you, you would you know, imagine he would be able to do because that's what he's done his whole career. Um, you know, even when he's a starter as a safety, you know, he was playing a lot of those special teams teams because he's valuable in, in that role. And um, a guy who can be a starter and still be a core special teams player Though there are few and far between of those guys in the NFL and you love those kind of guys. And uh, so he, he'll add value to any team he goes to just because he can do that. And he can give you added depth in the secondary as an experienced veteran, whether he starts or not, I think, you know, he, he's going to make that roster. I, I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, where his standing is on that team or what their depth chart looks like or any of that. But um, you know, I, I think it, I played for the Ravens and our coach was John Harbaugh prior mm -hmm. to being a head coach. He was a special teams coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. So special teams yeah. in our building was the first priority and they would bring guys in just to be special teams, core players, meaning you played on every special teams unit. And those were called the core players. And uh, you know, guys that had no chance of ever playing offensive defense, but they played every single special team and they were, you know, team leaders. They were, you know, guys that everybody respected. And they were looked at, you know, as just as valuable as, as starters on offensive defense because special teams was such a big priority in Baltimore. 
by nature of our head coach and all these different things. But in the NFL, especially, you know, I, I coached high school the last couple of years with, you know, Max and, mm-hmm. and, and Ty Detmer. And I, I don't think Max and Ty quite appreciate the value of special teams <laughs> like I do, because I've been ingrained in it for so long in the NFL with, with Coach Harbaugh. And so I was always pushing those guys. We need more special teams time. We need more special teams time. I've just grown up in a system that values special teams so much. And so I understand that it can win you games and it can lose you games, um, you know, more so than, than most teams appreciate. And, uh, you know, I, long story short, Daniel Sorensen as a core player in special teams, the NFL more and more is understanding the importance of special teams players and good special teams players. I think as long as he can stay healthy, he's always got a place in this league as a guy like that. Dennis Pitt is on the Wise Guys tonight. Some of our streamers from around the world are asking questions. Here's one from Royal Coog. What is your thought on Taysom having a unique situation compared to other players? And then I might add, has Taysom called you and asked you how to play the tight end spot because now he's doing that with the Saints? Yeah, no, he, he has not reached out to me. <laughs> um, no, we haven't, we haven't really chatted about tight end, but Taysom's such a unique individual unique player I, you know you see I think he fell into a really good situation um with, with New Orleans and you know Sean was able to do so many different things with him and so creative with him to really utilize his talents and because of that he found a place in the NFL now he'll forever be able to play that role and be that gadget player and be you know I guess he's a backup quarterback but you know he'll always be able to play that that tight end that kind of h-back role where you can come in and and run some you know, some speed option stuff out of the backfield as a quarterback and do so many different things for you and, and be kind of a uh, matchup nightmare for defenses. Because when you bring Taysom in the game, defenses want, want to understand your personnel because they want to match your personnel. I mean, that, there's so much of that in the NFL. So if you can roll two tight ends in the game, they want to match it with base personnel. If you have one tight end, a bunch of receivers, they want to match it with, you know, a nickel or a dime or something. They want to be able to match personnel for personnel. When Taysom's in the game, you don't know really what his role is. It's more difficult for defensive coordinators to match that personnel grouping. And so it just right away creates confusion. And then you line him up all over the field. You just don't know what you're going to get out of him. I think, you know, he, he plays such a fun role. And he's really revolutionized the NFL in that respect because there was never really a guy like that. Yeah. You know, Tim, Tab- Tim Tebow came in this league and, and he probably should have been used in more of a role like Taysom's being used, but he wasn't. They, there was just no creativity in Denver when they first brought him in, and they just didn't use him in that role. And he could have been brought along a lot slower in that capacity, but, you know, they, they weren't quite ready for that yet. Sean Payton was a revolutionary in the respect that he brought Taysom in. He saw something in Green Bay in just a few preseason games, brought him in and, and realized this guy's a great athlete. He can throw the ball. He can catch the ball. We can use him all over the field as just an offensive weapon and you know create a new position and so you know Taysom Hill's a an NFL star now without any real position type because of it and so you know my hat's off to to Taysom he's worked hard he's he's stayed healthy which I think was always you know his issue in college but um, he's in a great situation has carved out a really really nice niche for himself in the NFL and uh, you know maybe someday he'll reach out for me if he he moves to (laughs) full-time tight end which I don't think he's I don't think he's looking to do that. No, he but, uh, he's number two. Yeah, he is number two. He's number two on the well. chart today. Yeah. Is that what he's listening yeah. to? Well, and here's yeah. the thing. They, I mean, at first they said that's what they were going to do, and, and then they kind of backed off it and said, nah, you know what? 
we kind of need to play him all over the place. So, hey, what? what yeah, are, what, he might be listed at that. He's not going to play full time tight end. There's just yeah, no way. He's, no, he's too valuable all over the field. Hey, what? One of our boy. This is a hard question. I like what one of our uh, our followers just said. Uh, ask Dennis if he had to trade one or the other. So you, you you can't have both. You can only have one. Your Super okay. Bowl ring or your win against Utah. What you trading in? What you giving up? <laughs> Uh, I have two wins against Utah, so I'll give up one of them. Oh, the Super Bowl nice, well played. <laughs> nice, hey, Dennis. When's the last? I, I'm t- assuming. Go ahead. When's the last time you put that Super Bowl ring on and just walked around the neighborhood? Be honest. Was it was it last night? No, I I never walked around the neighborhood. In it. <laughs> uh, we actually had some friends over about a week ago, and I don't ever bring it out or even look at it until we have friends over that ask, "Hey, I want to see your Super Bowl ring," and we end up pulling it out, and I. You know, I end up staring at it quite a bit when I bring it out because it is pretty cool. But it doesn't really go um, with anything, though, right? It's, it doesn't go with a, a shirt, little, a suit. Yeah, it's a little gaudy, to be <laughs> honest. It's a little. It's not quite my style. It's it's pretty big, so I uh, I don't wear it out often uh, as an accessory. <laughs> but yeah, it's and listen, I, I'm not sure I'd give up that Super Bowl ring for for anything in my career. I mean, the wins against Utah were great, especially yeah. the last one, which I'm sure. Um, this question was referring to mm-hmm. when Andrew George right. caught it at the end, split, and we won in overtime. Um, I, I, I will say I'm always upset about that play because I was wide open on the right, and Andrew George was not open. He was no. covered. Max forced it but in. Max, Max forced it in there. The ball split <laughs> two defenders. Andrew catches it. They collide, and he's wide open. The, the right move there, the right throw was to me on the right side. Yeah, I wouldn't have scored, but I would have gotten the first down and got out of bounds, and we would have had a new set of downs. But I'm glad it happened the way it did. <laughs> I'm happy to be a part of that. Max wasn't afraid to force it in there, no, was he? No, not, no. not ever. I know. I, I tell him that all the time. He, he forced that throw. He knows it. <laughs> now, Max Max is your brother-in-law. Um, when, yeah. did the, when did he become your brother-in-law? Was it while you were in school? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. We, um, we married into the same family. So mm-hmm. our wives are sisters. Um, I, he got married uh, maybe his sophomore year. I got married my junior year. Did that give you more passes? Did you get was was there any kind of family benefit of well that's my brother in law I'm going to throw it to him more? Yeah, I don't know that I saw any more volume after <laughs> uh, after I made that move. I was hoping that it would. I yeah, it was a big you know motivation in, in getting that done early. But uh, I, I'm not sure it translated to on the field catches, <laughs> but. Um, you know, it didn't hurt. I'll tell you that. That's true. So we 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 started by by mentioning that you you came to BYU as a walk on, and I don't know yeah. that people really understand what what's that you know what that is like to come into a college program as a walk. I guess it's a little bit like these guys were talking about just scrapping and trying to make it on special teams in the NFL. What what was that experience like um, as a walk on, and then how how do you go from being a walk on to to, to be in one of the best that's ever played that position in the history of BYU? <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I, I'm not sure how it went from point A to point B, to be completely honest. But, you know, I was a, I was a, a pretty good athlete in high school. I was a you know, three-sport athlete, played basketball, football, and ran track. And uh, I was just real skinny in high school. And, you know, I didn't quite fill out. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, I was young for my grade, so I graduated at 17. I just didn't quite develop at the same pace as a lot of the kids around me and, and as, you know, a lot of these high-priced recruits do. And so I kind of was, you know, under the radar a little bit as a skinny little wide receiver out of a small school in, in California. And um, 
I, I remember the recruiter in my area for um, BYU was Coach Lamb, which I, I know you guys know Coach Lamb sure. well. He was a great guy. Um, and, you know, he came over a couple times and, you know, the message was always, hey, we don't have a scholarship for you, but if you can get into school at BYU, because, you know, back then, you know, there wasn't a preferred walk-on designation where you could kind of get him in and, and, and do all that. If I was able to get into school at BYU academically, then, you know, they would let me come and walk on. So I wasn't a walk-on in the sense that I had to go try out for the team. Um, but I was a walk-on in the sense that I had to apply to BYU on my own and get in academically yeah. before I ever had a chance to play football. So that's always my first message to kids. Like my career never would have started has, had I not been a good student in school. Now, fortunately, I was, I was a good student. I was a 4.0 student in high school and I got into BYU. Uh, academically. So once I did, I was able to, to come out. I, I reached out to Coach Lamb and I said, hey, I got into BYU. I'd love to come walk on. And uh, he said, great, go to this walk-on meeting and uh, they'll get you all squared away there. So I go to this walk-on meeting. I don't remember. I, I had enrolled in BYU in like 2003. Um, I go to this walk-on meeting. It's Coach Empey is, is running the meeting. And there's probably 50 kids in this meeting. And uh, a lot of them are trying out for the team and, and kind of getting some information about when tryouts are and all that. And uh, I'm sitting there and, and Coach Empey basically uh, gives us all the message like, listen, if you're a lineman, you have a decent shot of making this team as a walk-on. <laughs> We're always looking for extra linemen and, uh, you know, on, on our scout teams and all that. If you're a skill position player, you pretty much have no shot. <laughs> and so I walk out of this meeting. That's encouraging. I'm, you know, I'm not very encouraged. I remember I called my dad right after this meeting. I said, hey, this is what he, they just told us. Like, I don't think I'm even going to get on this team. And so I, uh, long story short, I, I, I reach back out to Coach Lamb and he says, no, listen, just show up. Um, we'll get you set, up, set away in the locker room. We, we want you here and all that. So I said, okay. And... They, I, I forget how it all worked out. I ended up getting a locker in the old Smithfield house. The, the actual team had just switched over to the SAB, the brand new. <laughs> and you were across the street. Yeah, they had, they had walk-ons over at the other building. I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So, so us lowly walk-ons, we were still in the Smithfield house in these ugly little metal locker rooms. Yeah. I had to work out in the Smithfield house. I couldn't work out in the new nice weight room with everybody else. Um, and there was a handful of us walk-ons. I remember Cale Buchanan, yep. you know, the corner. Oh, yeah. Um, who ended up being a, a, a really good player and contributor and starter on the team. Him and I kind of came in together as these lowly walk-ons, and we were working out in the dark dungeon of the Smithfield house together. And it just didn't feel like we were part of the team at all. And it felt like we had no shot. Well, we started, we started um, doing player-run practices, I think they were. This was... Uh, this was like in, I had already been at school a semester and this was like in, you know, they were, do, we were doing winter workouts and then player run practices. And so um, I'm going out there and somehow I got thrown in the mix as a wide receiver. I'm, I'm in John Beck's group mm -hmm. running plays and John's, you know, the, the slotted starter at the time. And um, I remember for whatever reason, I'm with John and I'm running go routes down the sideline. I caught two deep go routes and uh you know, nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew my name. John came over after and said, hey, wh what was your name? And I told him Dennis and this and that. Well, anyways, John tells this story years later that after that practice, he went up and he met with Gary Croton, the head coach at the time. Yeah. And, and 
him and Gary would always meet after these player run practices and he would kind of go over how, you know, it went and how everybody looked and all that. And, and John told Gary in this, in this meeting, he said, Hey, um, who looked, or Gary asked him who looked good today in practice. And John said, Hey, there was this new kid that looked pretty good. Uh, you know, tall rangy kid named Dennis. And Gary said, John, we have nobody on this roster named oh, Dennis. No. <laughs> Nice. And John's like, that's weird because he told me his name was Dennis. I don't know. And so they left it at that. And I don't think either of them thought a you know, second longer about it. And, uh, and you know, long story short, I know I'm getting a little long-winded no, you're good. story, but we finally get into spring ball and uh, they switched me to tight end. Uh, I, so now I'm working with Coach Empty. How, and all how much, and, how much and do you weigh at that point, Dennis? I'm about 205. So 205 was, playing was, tight end, yeah. Yeah, 6'5", 205. So I, I was – I was still in a wide receiver body and they switched me to tight end, which ended up being, you know, a, a good thing in the long run for me that I did switch to tight end. Um, but I'm going through spring ball and I started to make a couple plays and, you know, doing well in one-on-ones and all that. And I remember after one one-on-one route, I went against Aaron Francisco and I think beat him on a little dig route. And uh, coach Croton calls me over and I jog over to him and, and he says, Hey, Dustin, you're doing a really good job. <laughs> and I said, thanks coach. And I just jogged back by it. At least at this point, he associated a name with my face. And it began with D. And it began with D. At least it began with D. So we're in the ballpark. You know, I'm making baby steps here. And uh, (laughs) that was kind of my start at BYU. Now, granted, I, I, you know, started to do well in spring ball and and ended up where I played that next fall as the number two tight end behind Dan Coates. And and Dan got hurt late in the year. So I was, you know, really kind of the guy for the last couple games of that season. Uh, You know, I was fortunate how it played out for me and worked out. Um, but it was an interesting, rocky start early on as a walk. So how were you told, uh, how were you given a scholarship? How were you told, hey, Dennis, we, we want you here or, enough. Or did they where say, hey, Dustin. This is yours. Or Dustin. Or... <laughs> yeah, by the, time, by the time they offered me a scholarship, uh, I think they knew my name. I, I don't remember. The details are a little foggy. But um, I, I played that my freshman year um, in 2004 as a as a walk-on I was not a scholarship player and at the end of that year I was getting ready to leave on my mission and coach Croton uh called me in and he promised me that when I returned from my mission I would be on scholarship so right after that season now I left on my mission in 2005 right and coach Croton got fired in 2005 so I came back and it was Bronco Mendenhall and a whole new staff now fortunately Bronco Mendenhall was the defensive coordinator when I was there so there was some familiarity um with him and I, but, but there was still some unknown. When I got off my mission, I didn't know if I had a scholarship because coach Croton had promised me it, but he was not the head coach. And uh, I got back and reached out to, to actually Barry Lamb again, who was you know still on the staff. And uh, they assured me that I would, I would be able to come back and, and they would honor that scholarship. So that's how it kind of worked out um, before and after my mission. Well, now you start a run after your mission of 32 wins in 39 games. 11 and 2 in 07, 10 and 3 in 08, 11 and 2 in 09. Along the way you catch 221 passes and 21 touchdowns. What was it between you and Max that just seemed to work so well in that offense? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for, first we had a great offensive system. Um, when I left in 05, it was Gary Croton and, and kind of his offense and it wasn't wasn't quite tailor made for a lot of catches for a tight end. Um, you had your hand in the dirt a lot. It was more pro style. Um, I don't know that I would have had the same level of production had 
he remained the head coach and that offensive system had remained the same. So I think Bronco taking over and bringing in coach and I was a huge blessing for me coming back and being able to play in that system because I was flexed out a lot. I got to play in the slot, which really suited as a former wide receiver, really suited my abilities. Um, you know, I wasn't a guy who wanted his hand in the dirt very much. And I wasn't a guy who, uh, you know, liked banging heads at the line of scrimmage. I wanted to be split out and I wanted to run routes and, and, and catch the football. So um, in that regard, it was a perfect system for me and a great fit for my skill set. And, and then having a guy like Max, who's, you know, just the winningest quarterback in BYU history. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps. It, it certainly helps. And having a guy like Austin Colley on the outside, we came home from our missions at the same time and uh, got to play all those years together. And, and, you know, Harvey in the backfield. I mean, just, just the group that we had helped us all be successful. It, it's tough when you don't have help on the outsides as a tight end because they can key on you and, and vice versa. If you don't have, you know, guys all over the field that they have to play more honest against you, um, it, it makes it a little more difficult. And so um, I, I just think I, the timing was right for me to be able to you know, put up the stats and, and have the success that I had and uh, had the right guys around me in the right system and all that. So I, I'm just, you know, feel fortunate and blessed to kind of have played in that era and uh, been able to do what I did. You know, Max, when we had Max with us a couple weeks ago, uh, he talked about that same thing about the fact that he just loved that he would come up to the line of scrimmage and just go, yeah, who do they think they're going to single up this time? Because that's who I'm throwing the ball to. And so mm-hmm. and so eventually people just started to play you guys straight up because doubling Austin on the outside meant you were one-on-one. Doubling you on the inside and bracketing you meant Austin was one-on-one. Uh, trying to bracket both of you meant that Harvey could come out of the backfield or you just run the ball downhill at him. And he said, man, what a what a great group. So that was, that was a great time with – with tremendous talent. One of our followers asked, um, both you and Austin go into the NFL and have unbelievably promising starts to your NFL careers and, and both shortened by injuries, you know, both on pro really, I, I feel like multiple year pro bowl trajectories for, for both of you guys. How, how did you manage that mentally? Cause you had multiple injuries as you were there in the NFL and Austin had to deal with the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, Austin's, you know, one of my best friends and to kind of have a similar path in the NFL uh, is, is unusual, I guess. Listen, the NFL, I mean, football in general, you, you guys know, it's, it's just, it's a dangerous sport. Yeah. Injuries are always part of it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, both of us, you know, became, you know, subject to, to just a, a litany of injuries. And sometimes you get unlucky. Sometimes, you know, it's just... I, I don't exactly know. I mean, Austin, you know, he, what started to kind of derail his his stuff was all the concussions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I it was difficult to to be in Baltimore and watch him having to go through that. And we, we would talk on the phone constantly, you know, every week. And, um, you know, seeing him, because he went through that before I started going through my stuff. And uh, I just saw how difficult it was for him because he got off to an unbelievable start. I mean, he was playing with Peyton Manning and, and Reggie Wayne and all those guys. And he was a, a key contributor mm-hmm. and, and an important cog to, to their offense success. You know, they went to a Super Bowl. They, they were, they just had a great team over there. And to see his career get derailed the way it did because of concussions and all that, um, that, that was tough. You know, you don't want to see your friend go through that. And then of course he starts going through that. And, and I have just kind of a freak, hip injury in training camp one year um it was going into my going into my fourth year right off the super bowl um we won the super bowl in 2013 and going into that off season 
or into training camp, I, I go up for a ball in the back of the end zone and um, the safety is trying to play me high. I grab it. I'm coming down with it and the linebackers underneath me and pins my legs as I'm landing. And with the weight of the safety and then me coming down on my knee, it just popped my hip right off the back. I mean, it's just, you see that kind of an injury in car accidents a lot because your knees get jammed up and, and, and pop out the back. Um, a posterior dislocation is what they call it. And you don't see it a lot in football. Um, you know, it's usually when your legs kind of get pinned behind you and something crazy happens, you get tackled. I mean, you saw it with Bo Jackson. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bo Jackson, one of the greatest athletes to ever play, got pinned from behind, his legs pinned out, his hip sublexes, and, and you know, it just creates problems for the rest of his career. He had to get a hip replacement because he got uh, avascular necrosis. Blaine, you know what I'm talking about oh, yeah. in this world a little bit. Yep, uh, I've been, probably, I've been, I've been in there. one of your... I probably got one of your products inside me right now. You better so. have one of mine. We'll we'll talk. I hope off, it works. We'll talk offline, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I've been in the OR to see a lot of all of these things you're talking about to to be in there to help fix those over over the years. But yeah, just 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 crazy. But and, and the good good news for you is before the hip injuries and kind of the winding down seven, seven seasons in the NFL, but you got to play in a Super Bowl and you got to catch a touchdown pass in a Super Bowl and you got to be a major contributor on a Super Bowl team. Um, many folks play years and years and years and never have that opportunity. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, we're talking a lot about the, the frustrating parts of the injuries and all that and the things that kind of derail the trajectory of my career and Austin's career and all that. And, um, you know, I look back and there's a lot of, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of, not necessarily anger, but, but, you know, some, some difficulty when you're thinking about, oh, I could have done this and I could have done that. And I, but in my situation, I also feel incredibly grateful and blessed that I was able to win a Super Bowl and accomplish all the things that I was able to accomplish before injuries just kind of started to mount up and, and became too much. And, you know, after, after my first hip dislocation, you know, I was able to come back that season and, and then just every other, I, I dislocated it two more times, you know, over the over the course of the next four years, and uh, they were just byproducts of the first one. After after the first one, you know, you the blood flow just quite isn't the same, and and it just it creates a weaker hip and all that kind of stuff. And so I was fortunate to continue to get cleared by doctors, which I'm not sure I should have, um, to continue to play and, and prolong my career. But um, yeah, I mean, it just was kind of a a difficult litany of injuries, just hip related injuries after that. And so, uh, but I look back with, like you mentioned, with, with a ton of gratitude. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that get to play in a Super Bowl, much less, less win one and have a ring and, and, and be able to do all that. And we actually have our, uh, our 10 year reunion for the Super Bowl coming up this, this year. And so um, we're all flying out to Baltimore and, and they're, you know, doing a whole weekend for our, our Super Bowl team in That's Baltimore great. and, uh, and going to be out there at the game. And so, um, being a part of a team like that, where you're able to win one, um, you know, in, in like you mentioned earlier, in, in the biggest game of any of our lives, is, is pretty special to look back on and, and have been a part of. And and I always joke with Austin, you know, he went to a Super Bowl, but he lost. <laughs> and there's nothing worse. He'll he'll tell you there's nothing worse than going that far all the way to the Super Bowl and deal with all that you have to deal with the pressure that just all the, the nonsense outside of football, all the media attention. It's a tough two weeks from the AFC championship game or NFC championship game until you get to the Super Bowl. There's just, you know, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of, you know, I got to get tickets for this person, this person, I got to do this. I got to interview this media is everywhere. 
it's a very stressful two weeks and you go in that game, it's a lot easier when you win that thing. It's really difficult to swallow having gone through all that and, and prolonged your season for six more weeks than everybody else who's at home resting for nothing and having to go home <laughs> a, a loser and not have a Super Bowl ring to show for it. So I'll always hang that over Austin's head for sure. Yes. But um, hey, you is, is he our first? That, that the one I played and I won. Is Dennis our first world champion on the show? Um, we, we have well Wilson had two Super Bowl yeah rings. He, that's right so so Mark Mark has a but couple. he didn't catch a touchdown no but he held he held he, did hold for he was in the game he was hurt and uh, was he, he told a, was he a holder for yeah. the game? well not well he was he, he told the funniest story last last week he was on the the um he wasn't on the active list because he was hurt broke his shoulder he broke his shoulder and their oh, kicker wow. Chris Barr marches into the head coach's office and says and I think about this. He says, in this Super Bowl, you need to activate Mark Wilson because since he's not been holding, I can't kick, and I will not have Ray Guy hold another kick. <laughs> so the greatest punter in the history of the game got demoted from holding, yeah. even though he was still punting, so that Mark could come in and hold in, in the Super Bowl for par, for bar. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I've been around, you know, I've been around a lot of kickers. You guys know they're 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 weird individuals. They, they need everything. Oh yeah. It's gotta you know, be perfect in the, right, in the right place. And it's gotta be perfect. And they're, they're just a sensitive group. I mean, I played with Justin Tucker my whole career. In oh man. Yeah. You, know, you could say he's maybe the greatest kicker of yeah. all time. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's an, he's an oddball. He's they're, a weird, he's, we're just going to say they're, you, dude, so. they're all unique individuals. Are they not? Yes, they are very unique. So how yeah. often do you point out to Austin that, um, he had 215 spectacular receptions at BYU and you had 221. <laughs> well, I did do it in one more year. So Austin... Uh, you can leave some of those details you to, out. You don't have to yeah, say anything I about know. that. I, I, I want to be as candid as possible in this interview. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to deceive everybody. I, I played another year. But I will say this. When I was a freshman, we were both freshmen together with Gary Croden. I mean, that kid caught like 80 balls. I mean, how many balls did he catch his freshman <laughs> I year? I can't remember. That that, but you're right. Was, yeah. was just chucking balls up deep to the outside guys left and right i mean we weren't getting any love on the inside as tight end so i have that i had to deal with yeah he was in a system that he was able to flourish on the outside i mean had he been in gary's system for four years he probably would have set every every collegiate record there is for receiving i mean they were just chucking balls up deep to todd Watkins and austin on either side and and making hay so we were doing all the dirty work on the inside getting those guys open what one one of our uh, our followers uh, asked they said hey that team with when we were talking about how the weapons with, with uh, with Harvey and with you and with Austin and that team was pretty good defensively as well. Um, they asked, would that team win a Big Twelve title? If that team was in the Big Twelve, um, could could that BYU team have won a Big Twelve title? Because people are wondering, can BYU compete in this new league? What do you think? That team you were on, could you've gone out and won a Big Twelve title? Granted, you beat Oklahoma. Uh, I think that well. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, we, we we would we beat Oklahoma, which would have been the first step in, in the right direction <laughs> yeah, for right. winning the Big Twelve. Um, granted, we we probably needed Sam Bradford to be injured in that game to pull that one. Yes, off. Um, it, it helped that you know Colby Clawson hurt him early in that game, and we got Jarvis. No, not Jarvis Landry, the other Landry, right? Yeah, the lesser known Landry um, to come in, and we got some help in that game. But we played. Listen, we played. We played well, and we we took it to him. We would have had a shot. I, I, listen, I think it would have been difficult, you know, playing that tough of a schedule. I mean, I, Texas back then, uh, maybe in the Big 12 now, Texas back then with Colt McCoy, I mean, they were a juggernaut. Because um, Colt, 
came out in 2010 with, with me, we were in the same draft class. So we would have had to play against Colton and those really good Texas teams. And, um, <laughs> back then I, I will say, no, I don't think we had a shot in the big 12 with, with Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. Cause they were really good back then. I mean, Oklahoma still, you know, and the Lincoln yeah. Valley has been really good, but they were both Oklahoma's what number three in the country, number two in the country when we played them that year. And then Texas might've gone to the national championship that year, to be completely honest, or the year before. Cause I know Colt played in the national championship. So if I'm being realistic, no, maybe this, maybe, you know, in present day, we would have had a shot. Yeah. With, right. with no Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, they would, you know, who knows? They, they don't play any defense over there. So we would have put up a lot of points. <laughs> that league's changed that back when you were playing that league played defense. Now nobody plays defense in that league. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, well, I'll the take Big that back. The is not ba- a defensive league. Baylor plays solid defense. They played good defense. They, they kind of changed the narrative and, and yeah. played good defense last. You know, they have a defensive head coach, but the rest of the league doesn't play defense. <laughs> No, they, no, not, none at all. I mean, they're they're just giving up points. So, Dennis, we would have had a chop. We would have had a chance. Yeah. So you're rolling along, and then uh, this uh, you have a huddle, and you're in there, and Austin's in there, and Max is in there. Oh, we're talking Oklahoma now, yeah. Harvey, or no, any game, or just any game. Uh, so yeah. take us in that huddle. Who's talking? Who's saying the most during these moments? What's being said? And are you saying, hey, look, Max, I'm open. And, and I was, what's going on in the huddle with you guys? No, I didn't say a lot. Austin was the one always saying, hey, I'm wide open. You've got to throw me the ball. <laughs> Austin was, can, was always chirping at Max. You know, he's he's the that. diva, number one wide receiver. Um, th- those guys are a special breed. And uh, he was always he was always talking. Max was, I think, more preoccupied with yelling at the defense. You know, he was always saying something to them. <laughs> um, Harvey was pretty quiet. Harvey wasn't saying a lot. I was kind of keeping it myself. Um, that's the quietest. That's you know, the quietest huddle of yeah, of all man, time. We yeah, thought you guys would be in Harvey, there. Harvey really didn't. I, I can't. I don't remember Harvey saying a lot. You know, Harvey's kind of a, a quieter guy. I. I've never been the type to come in a huddle and demand the ball. Yeah. You know, I might've been just making jokes to guys in the huddle, but I'm not sure I would have been, uh, Hey, Har- I would have been demanding the ball from anybody. But Dennis Harvey told, like we get all kinds of stories. Mark Wilson told us a story that he said he's been holding inside for 40 years on last week about how he went in, <laughs> he went in and told Lavelle Edwards he quit. Yeah. He was done before, like right? before he went out and was a first round draft pick the next year, he quit and Lavelle told him don't quit. And got and got the coach that they all wanted back, and he stayed. And then they were phenomenal the next year. Like he'd never well, told so that. Why, why does he say? Why does he say he wanted to quit? They. So what happened was Doug Scoville left and went to the NFL, and Lavelle brought another coordinator in that decided he wasn't going to run Doug Scoville's offense. They completely changed the offense. He and Jim McMahon alternated. They only won nine games, which back in those days was horrific. If you don't win 11 at BYU back in those days, you're terrible, right? And everybody was unhappy. And I guess 20-some players had gone in and told Lavelle, we're out. We don't like football anymore. And Mark told Lavelle, I'm done. I'm just going to go to law school. And Lavelle said, give me a month or so. Just don't make a rash decision and give me a minute. Then they had a team meeting, and he said, I want to introduce you guys to somebody. And he went and convinced Doug Scoville to come back from the NFL and he said, I want to introduce you to Doug Scoville, our offensive coordinator, who's back. And they all stayed. And then they went on and, uh, you know, were a top five team the next year. Mark was a top 10 draft pick in the NFL draft. And, and, you know, and, and, then, and then Jim played the next year and broke 76 NCAA records. But So he told us that story. Harvey told us the story that when he ran for that touchdown in the Utah game um, after the, the fourth and forever – that yeah. he was actually turning around to throw the football at the safety that he ran over on the 
on the uh, on the goal line, and he says nobody knows this, but if if Sete doesn't come over, was it Sete? Yeah, I think it was. Who was it that, that one ran One of the in? linemen? Yeah, one of the linemen ran over to hug him, and he hit the lineman instead of the other player, and he goes, that saved us a 15-yard penalty, and we needed the extra point to, to get up by seven. He goes, so that saved us a 15-yard penalty. So, so what story has been deep down inside of you that you've never told? Because people come on the show, Dennis, and they just bare their soul. It's like, uh, it's like we're two Barbara Walters yeah, sitting like, here. It is, just is, is there yeah. some story that nobody knows? You're like, I, I really shouldn't tell this, but you want to tell us tonight. No, I mean, people are way too comfortable with you two. <laughs> I, I don't know why that is. I mean, maybe you got kind of some moody lighting in your basement there, and it's, you, know, you feel like we're just... It's you know, a, having a psychiatrist appointment sometimes. on the couch and just telling our deepest, darkest secrets. I don't have a story like that. There's nothing I have kept bottled up for any amount of time. All right. Well, then tell this story. Uh, we okay. won't create a story for okay. you. Okay. Well, yeah. It's second quarter in the Super Bowl. You're at the one-yard line. Yes. You're going to catch your touchdown. Um, and granted, it was a one-yard touchdown. But every kid that's ever played football dreams about catching a touchdown in the Super Bowl, what was that play like? And once you secured the ball and you knew you were across the line, what'd that feel like? Yeah, I mean, in the moment, you have none of those thoughts. Really? I mean, I, you don't. And uh, you know, we were running a play. I was running a corner route on that play, and I'm I'm the down tight end on the right side. You know, we're on the one yard line, so we're in a heavy personnel. We've got three tight ends on the field, and uh, I'm kind of faking like I think I'm if I remember right I'm I'm kind of taking a step down inside like I'm blocking down and then I slip out and I'm, I'm supposed to run a corner route um and I and I do that and I come out to run my corner route and, and Dante Whitner uh is already out there and he has a beat on it and he knows I'm running a corner route and he's got outside leverage on me so there's no way I'm getting outside of him to run a corner route so I I kind of run into him and push him a couple steps and then I snap my corner route out uh, route off and I just turn around and I look back right at Joe and Joe kind of does a little hand fake and he's kind of has a mini roll to the side and he sees it and I mean never have I stopped running a corner route in my whole career like I did in the Super Bowl and for whatever reason I just knew I was not going to get outside and I knew I needed to give Joe a, a throw right away so I kind of pushed him a couple steps outside threw him by and just sat down and sure enough, right when I did that, Joe was on the same page and he fired it to me right in, right in between the numbers and I caught it and we, we ended up scoring a touchdown. So it's just one of those weird plays where it's not how you scripted it at all. I mean, we ran it a million times in practice and I was always running. I was catching in the corner of the end zone, tiptoeing out of bounds um, near the pylon. And it was just in that moment, he knew I had bad leverage. I knew I had bad leverage and we were both on the same page where I just was at that point it's street ball i'm just trying to get open and i throw him by and i flip around and we're on the same page and we catch we catch a ball and i think that's a tribute to a couple things number one you know just trusting one another i just knew joe would kind of read my body language and, and be able to fire the ball in there um and know what i was doing and uh you know and just kind of having a chemistry with the guy i mean joe and i are you know, best friends off the field and, and still are. And so we, we th thrown a million balls together and, and I'm sure at some point we've talked about something similar to that. Like, Hey, if this guy's overplaying it, throw him by and set up and we've never repped it, but it happened in the biggest game of both of our careers and, and it worked out. And so uh, I, I caught that pass 
And as customary in the Super Bowl, usually if you catch a touchdown pass, you kind of hold on to the ball and you run you it to the sideline. Yeah. 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 And you hand it to, you know, your equipment manager and he puts it in a chest. He writes your, write name your name on it and, and puts it. Yeah. Yeah. And n- I thought of none of that in the moment. <laughs> and, you know, I catch a touchdown pass and I, the first thing I do is I throw the ball down. I don't know where that ball ended up. Oh no. And Come on. I run over, I run over and one of our linemen are right there and he lifts me up and, and, you know, I'm celebrating. I get to the side and they're like, where's your ball? <laughs> and I'm like, I have no clue. Oh. And so they, they ended up tracking it down, but, oh, uh, but I, you know, and so I have a, a that ball now and it's got an inscription on the side and all that's that, which so the cool. team does for you. And so that's really cool to be able to look back at that and all that. But like in, in the moment, like I said, at the beginning, none of that goes through your mind. Even after catching a touchdown pass, I'm not thinking like, this is the coolest moment of my life. I'm keeping this ball. I'm running back, put this away. I mean, I, it's just another football game. And yeah, you're excited because that, I think we went up by, that was the second touchdown of the game. So we went up 14-0 at that point. And, you know, you go up 14-0 early in a game. I mean, you're you're feeling good about things. And, uh, you know, we were we were living good at that moment. And uh, See, that's what separates and, you from me and Blaine. We, we would have probably just run up into the stands. Yeah, Our night was over. We kind of touched fans, down. I would have been done. You were actually focused on but winning the game. When, when you t- describe that, Dennis, though, I – so many times we're interviewing coaches and they go, well, you know, on that play, players just make plays. That's what I like. Players, playmakers just make plays. That's exactly what they're describing. Playmakers just, that's not how the play was designed, but you got to have guys that just make plays. And that's what you and Joe did on that play. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, at some point you got to just, you know, trust your instincts out there. Now you can't do that on every play. But on the one yard line, when windows are tight and you know you got to make a play, and your quarterback doesn't have much time, and I mean, yeah, we were just making a play. To be completely honest, I mean, I, I don't know what went through my head in that moment, but I just knew if I stayed on the corner route, I wasn't getting the ball. So you know, I'm 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 trying to get open, and and uh, you know, I think we had a flat route underneath by by another tight end, and so if, if and that was well covered. If I'm not if I'm not getting open on this corner route. Um, you know, Joe maybe tries to run and probably loses three yards. So listen, uh, you know, what, yeah, what the Seahawks? Point, yeah, we're just we're just out there playing ball and trying to make having play some fun. And, what the Seahawks yeah. wouldn't do? No, the to Seahawks, be able to get a touchdown. The, the Seahawks are like, no, that was just as bad as the Michael Jordan play. Dennis pushed off. That's the definition That's of offensive it. pass interference. Right? That's what the Seahawks are saying. But who cares about yeah. that? This is was about the Ravens. That's, I mean, listen, that's that's a crazy play. Like, everybody says, yeah, you should have handed off to Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> which by all accounts, I probably would have done the way that he was running downhill and, and they were just, you know, gashing him for big runs it's, after big runs. But it's, it's so hard, though. I mean, like, people you're, don't you understand. You think the situation a little bit. Yeah, as yeah. a coach, you're saying, okay, we've ran it, you know, five straight times down their throat. They're going to – we're on the one-yard line. They're going to really beef up. And, you know, last thing you want to do is get our momentum stopped here. Let's, let's throw a little change up in. It's a safe little pick play. How many times has a pick play, the guy coming underneath, ever been jumped like that right. and gotten intercepted? I mean, it's never happened. We've run a million pick plays like that. The underneath guy on a little slant, a one-yard slant, that never gets jumped and picked. And, and of course, it did for whatever reason. Yeah. The, the receiver, I think, faded back a little bit, and, and the defender, you know, Butler jumped it unbelievably well but it just it, that was such a freak thing and of well, course and people, everybody's gonna people are like why don't you just it. why don't you just hand it off to it's not in the nfl not even in college football people are like why can't you just run it on the one yard line and get it in 
It's not that easy to no. run it down there when you put D linemen in every gap. You play a gap six down there in the goal line. It's not that easy to run it down there, and sometimes you've got to do something a little bit different. And, well, I think tonight we've play. had an accounting of the yes, single greatest one-yard pass in the I history of the it. Super Bowl. And, and you know what, Dennis? The way you, the way you <laughs> described it, we have um, uh, one of our guys, Robbie Yuki, says, that's a great description. I, like, you can virtually see what what Dennis went through to score. It's really cool. And so I, I, we love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dennis, we got, uh, we're going to hit you up with five really quick questions from our social media gurus. But before we get to that, let's finish with one meaty question of, of uh, in this tight end business at BYU, there's Isaac Rex, and we saw him out on the field yesterday. Right. He's looking better. His ankle's that. looking like he's back. Dallin Holker, who you – I wrote a story earlier in the summer. You had a lot of good things to say about Holker because he reminds us of you and, and how you how, – uh, how you played the game. Uh, these two guys, what do you expect from the tight ends this fall with the schedule BYU has coming up? Yeah, I, I think you have to love these two tight ends. You really do. I mean, you guys mentioned uh, Holker and, and yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think he reminds me a lot of me just in the style of play. You know, he, he's kind of more of a wide receiver type body, which I was, you know, we talked earlier about that and, um, you know, they flex him out a lot and he, he can really run and uh, he, he just is a difficult matchup for a linebacker to go cover him or a safety to cover him. I mean, you really have to treat him more like a, an inside receiver than anything. And, um, and then you have Isaac, which, you know, Isaac just burst onto the scene his yeah. freshman year. And you realized how valuable Isaac is in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And I know the production wasn't there last year for either of those guys. And Isaac had that horrific injury and, right. and you know, it's great to hear that, that he's looking pretty good in camp and is he full go now? He's Sorry, li- he's got limited, limited pitch count. So like, it's like, he's okay. They expect him to be full go by the first game, but there he's, he's limited pitch count much like Puka was last fall. We're like, okay, this practice, he can only have this many plays next practice. He's going to, so what they're doing is they're weaning yeah. him back in so that week of the game, he gets full first game. He's get full reps and he can go full go in the game. That's the plan for him. And he looks pretty good in his limited reps. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I, I've, I've really become good friends with Byron Rex, yeah. his dad over the last you know year or so. And, uh, uh, actually played in a golf tournament, John Beck and I, and, and Byron and all them, we were out there and, and chatting for hours, you know, about Isaac and, and everything BYU football. And, and, uh, so I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Isaac. I'm a huge fan of, of Dallin. Both those guys are tremendously talented. And, and what's cool about their tight end room right now is, is they both have very different skill sets, in my opinion. <clears throat> like I mentioned, Isaac is a huge body. Um, he can be a force at the line of scrimmage. He's a matchup nightmare in the red zone. I mean, you can throw it up to him. And he can go up and make tough, contested catches, which I think is so valuable uh, as a tight end. Because w- when those windows get tight, and you get into that red zone, you have to have a reliable guy that you can, you know, throw it up to and, and you know he'll make a play. And Isaac's proven to be able to do that from his freshman year with with uh, Zach at the helm to last year before his injury. And so you couple that with now Down's ability to really stretch the field vertically yeah. and, uh, you know, really run and, and, and create some mismatches in the pass game. I, I just I think they complement each other exceptionally well. They're both awesome kids. I mean, I've, I've had contact with both of them, and uh, they've both reached out to me um, for help and, and some guidance. And so I, I'm looking forward to be able to 
to talk more with them as the season progresses and, uh, you know, help them in any way that I can. And, and they have the right, you know, work ethic and they, they have the right mindset. And I'm, you know, nobody's a bigger fan of those two guys than I am right now. And I hope that they catch a ton of balls this year and we can find a way offensively because I think where we've fallen short offensively the last couple of years and last year in particular is they haven't found a way to really get the tight end as involved as we would like to see with two talented guys like that. Now I know we have a ton of talented guys on the outside with Puka and, and, and uh, Romney. Um, at Gunnar Romney yeah. and, and all those guys. I know there's a ton of talent out there, but, but when you have talented tight ends, you have to find a way to get those guys the ball. Every good offense in the NFL understands that and is looking for a tight end that can create mismatches on the inside. And uh, if you have that, you've got to utilize it. And so I, I hope that that's the step this year that they take offensively that they didn't quite have last year, because that will take Jaron and this whole offense to a whole nother level. If they can dice people up inside the hashes and also be able to throw bombs and, and outside stuff to those talented wide receivers. So I'm looking forward to this season and, and, you know, from all accounts, it sounds like, you know, Downs having a, a great camp and hopefully those guys stay healthy and, yeah. and yeah, uh, Downs and looking really big, have big years. Downs looking bigger and, and more physical. Uh, here's, here's some good news for you. I, I was w- watching from up above yesterday just cause I wanted to see, kind of see it better. So I went up on the balcony to watch him and uh, I, after a bunch of throws, I just said, Hey, is it, I asked, I asked Spencer next to me, I said, is it just me or does it seem like Jaron's seeing the middle of the field a little bit better? And think about it. The, the further along you get as a quarterback, the inside of the field's hard to see with all those big dudes in there. You know, you have to see the field through windows and all that, and it's just easier to see the outside of the field. And in his maturation process, I feel like that's a step he's going to take, and that's going to get the tight ends back more involved in the offense with, with him – and, and, you know, that was one practice yesterday, but I also thought at the, the first practice, I thought, wait a minute here. Like, the, the ball's going to the inside a lot more, so I think your wish is going to come true and those tight ends are going to catch more balls this year, Dennis. Well, and, and that's a great point, Blaine. I, I always say this. I always say uh, uh, what separates a good quarterback from a great quarterback is the ability to throw in the middle of the field. Because you look at the Tom Brady's of, of the world, you know, and, 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 you know, I know Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but, but you look what he did – throughout his time in new England, he took Gronkowski and, and at the time, Aaron Hernandez and, you know, whoever was that tight end. And those guys, they would just dice people up, up the seams, you know, in all these different creative ways, but it's because Tom was so good at knowing what he had in the middle of the field, because if you can kill people at the seams, you can just really create headaches for defenses. Yep. And, and like you said, young quarterbacks, typically because it's, it's easier to read. It's easier to see. There's usually only one or two guys you have to locate to be able to throw to the outside, comebacks, go routes, all that kind of stuff. That's an easier read for quarterbacks. A quarterback that can dice you up in the middle of the field and take when it's, you know, those easy ones on the outside when they're given, that's a dangerous quarterback. And so if Jaron's able to do that this year, which, you know, it sounds like he is, he's going to really take a huge step in his maturation because that, that, in my opinion, is always what – the mark of a great quarterback is being able to kill people in between the hashes. Fantastic insight from the great Dennis Pitta, basketball coach Mark Pope's on deck here on the Wise Guys. Now, inspired by uh, CEO of Gig, social media guru Scott Warner, we've got five questions for you. You ready? These are rapid I'm fire. Ready. Rapid fire five questions. This is how we get to know you, right? So okay. we're going to start off. Number one, favorite sports movie? Oh, man. Uh, 
I love Remember the Titans. Amen. Right. Amen. That's mine. It's a Remember good one. Remember That's a good team. one. All right. Favorite band or singer? Oh, man. I, uh, you know, I have become a huge country person lately. That's all right. That's okay. Like, That's okay. Dave's hard rock. We've all I'm softened up. Your country no, is we're all big good. Keith no, Urban I'm fans. Asking, I'm not asking for an apology. I'm saying country's awesome. <laughs> you don't okay. have to say it's okay. It felt like you were kind of asking. The way you said it. The way you said it. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what I meant is I haven't always been a country fan, but over the last year or so, I have been a big country fan. We went to Garth Brooks, you know, concert a couple of years ago, and it was just, it just launched me into this whole country right. deal. And so a- anything country. Anything country. Anything one country. Favorite guy, that, an like entire not category. Tim McGraw or Keith Urban. Garth Brooks or Keith Urban or. Yeah, they're all. Oh, they're, they're all, all really awesome. Good. Okay. Same anything yeah, country. Good. Well, I hope we you don't. Go, we recently, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll narrow it down. Kane Brown has been a favorite right. of mine over the last couple months. We All went right. to his concert recently. Nice. And, and I'm not even a concert person. I don't prefer to be in massive crowds like that, but I uh, I love that. We're putting Kane Brown. Kane Brown is your guy. Okay. Favorite breakfast, ahead, favorite, favorite breakfast cereal. Oh, man. I mean, I've always, traditionally, I've been a Cinnamon Toast Crunch guy, but I, I've actually converted to golden grams now golden i say grams. this this I is a whole new dennis i don't i don't grams what are you a grandfather cereal. what's going on here i know when my eating is completely <laughs> off track and i know i'm hitting rock bottom i'm eating cereal at night that's, and that's, that's i know i'm off track when you're I'm not eating. alone i never yeah. eat i don't me. ever eat breakfast so i don't ever eat cereal in the morning but i know i love cereal okay and if i'm eating cereal at night like late at night watching TV, I know I've hit rock bottom. So He's, that's a good indicator. <laughs> you, and you've you, hit you, rock bottom you, with Golden you, Grams. You'd get, he'd get along with yeah, Scott and Warner it would be with Golden Grams. Okay. So gold. Hey, cinnamon toast crunch. Um, or a, a lot of people. Actually, a lot oh, of people. If you can get past, if you can get past the razor blades at the beginning of eating O's. <laughs> O's are very good. <laughs> that's awesome. So okay, next one. You're up, Dave. Uh, which player hit you the hardest in the NFL? Um, Gerard Mayo from the New England Patriots in the AFC championship game, the year we went to the Super Bowl, You can look it up. It's a pretty vicious hit. It's all over the internet. And uh, I think there's even a GIF oh my that gosh. Uh, has that. Really? Okay. Okay. We're looking at your old BYU uh, um, brother in arms, Chad Lewis, immediately without hesitation said, Ray Lewis. We're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ray was a, as soon as he goes, well, Ray Lewis. Fortunately, Ray and I were on the same team. Yeah, exactly. That works. You, don't, you don't hit that viciously in practice. I no, mean, no. I've blocked him plenty of times, but I've never gotten totally blindside wiped out by him. Like it's, I did it's just so funny. As soon as, as soon as Chad, like no hesitation, he's like, ah, Ray Lewis. Dave and I look at each other. And go, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So, okay, Fa- <laughs> yeah. favorite BYU tight end of all time. Oh, look, we're going to show this. Oh, we're going to show that we, we pulled this, it up on YouTube. Is this the hit right and, now? Uh, oh my goodness! We're watching. Can you see that, middle. Dennis? Oh, oh, Dennis! My, I can't see it. Oh, I, thank- I can't see it, but I know it well. I've seen a lot. <laughs> I lived through it. Listen, so hey, those I, listening I'm, to the I'm podcast. A shallow route here. Yeah, yeah. Let me explain this play a little bit because <laughs> I need to set this up for you guys. So I, I'm running a shallow route. My my main responsibility on this route concept is to grab the linebacker and pull him out of the window for a little Again, another offensive pass interference. Yes. Short post, right. Short post that's coming right behind me out of the number two receiver, three receiver set. So I'm going up. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of chop my feet. I'm kind of grabbing his attention, and then I go across his face. I'm not really in the initial read of this play. Oh, no. So I, I kind of turn my head, and I look back, not expecting the ball at all because there's another linebacker right across. 
and Joe throws it to me. And so I catch it and I'm a little bit surprised. I catch it. We're watching it as you're describing obliterated. It, yeah. I get completely obliterated by Gerard Mayo. Now I did hold on to the ball. Yes, you did. The completion. And the very next play, I score a touchdown. Nice. On nice. a little out route. So I was seeing stars after that one, but that was also the year that I, I think it was the same year that Austin had his big concussion oh, and the whole con- big concussion push yeah. was coming to fruition. And I was surprised that on this play, cause he hit me under the chin. And so threw my head back. I was surprised we didn't get, or he didn't get a penalty for that. Yes, he should have. Hey, on our podcast. And he didn't. And so I jumped up in the very next play. It was, I think it was third down. I ran a little out route and toasted the safety and then he threw me the I, I just, I honestly. One of my just, better routes actually immediately fall. I have a headache right now after watching. Yeah, that. listening to our podcast, just YouTube, Dennis Pitta getting destroyed and that video will, <laughs> will pop up. But it's he did survive. Yeah. That's right, not, that's last not question good. for you. Yeah, favorite BYU tight end not named Dennis Pitta. Oh, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good ones. Uh, I'm going to say Chad Lewis because Chad's a dear friend of mine. I love Chad. Former walk-on. Chad's on. always former walk-on. We have a similar story. Chad's always been a huge supporter of me and always been a huge resource for me. Like when I was when I was playing at BYU, he would always come back and we'd, you know, talk through things and we'd, he'd run routes with us and, and do all kinds of stuff. And he was playing for the Eagles at the time. Chad's always a guy I looked up to. And uh, great choice. Yeah, you know, he, no, he I would definitely be the choice. I, I love that. Chad, one of the greatest human beings in the world. So, hey, Dennis, yeah. we're so glad to have oh, you. So fun to have you on, man. We hope you'll come back during the season and break down a couple of these games. But uh, one hour with Dennis Pitta. Yeah, sure. and, and we're not like Sports Nation. We always have time for Dennis. We <laughs> always have time for you. You know, you guys are very nice over here. I'm used to getting on these BYU podcasts and being a very hostile environment, <laughs> you know, that's with not, Jerem and, and, and that crew. And that's so not what we I, do. I just that's... felt I felt like I was welcomed with open arms, and I really appreciate this it. Is I feel all... like I could tell you guys my deepest, deepest darkest secrets, which I'm, sounds like a lot of people next, have. Next, t- next but, uh, time you come on, we'll get you. We're we'll therapists. Get you. Eventually, you'll get off For, and you go, you know yeah. what? I feel bad. I should have I should have said you know, shared this with Dave and Blaine because <laughs> so next time we expect something, okay. you know, d- to come out. Cause we are therapists. It's like a couch here. I will. I'll, I'll think of something I've been bottling up for years. All right. Hey, say hi we to your family. It. And thanks again. Thanks Dennis. So much, appreciate Dennis. It. We appreciate it, brother. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Dennis Pitta, one of the great tight ends in BYU history here on the wise guys, Mark Pope. We are standing by BYU's basketball coach to join us as we continue. And I just think it's amazing that you got Pitta and Lewis so good, both in college and in the NFL, and both walk-ons at BYU. Oh, yeah. And and there's a few guys on that roster right now um, that that came as walk-ons. And I'm going, you know, there's a couple guys that are going to be really good. Peyton Wilgar. Yeah. How about Peyton Wilgar? He's going to join the list. And guess what? Peyton Wilgar. One day we'll have Peyton on, and he'll tell us his secret about how when he quit, although we – that's not so big of a secret because we did a deep blue on that, right? Our next guest is getting ready for his fourth season as BYU's head basketball coach. Played in the Pac-10. He's won a national title in the SEC. Played in the NBA and in Europe. He's been groomed by his wife, Leanne, and their four daughters. That's All of it sure. is prepared to lead BYU into the Big 12, the toughest basketball league in America, after one final run in the WCC. It's a pleasure to welcome Coach Mark Pope to the Wise Guys. Hey, wait a second. You're not at the pool. You're supposed to be at the pool with sunglasses on. I tried, man. I got stuck. Like I got stuck. <laughs> what? You- I, I tried so hard. I'm sorry. Oh I know my I gosh. I, I hate to promise and not be like, I <laughs> like I was. I was. I just was waiting for the to, to come up. The sun behind you. You with sunglasses on, going, "Hey, what's up, guys?" 
But uh, now you're in the office. You're in the office slaving someday, away. Some, someday we're going to make it work. Hey, and, uh, and Dennis was telling us a story about when he was decapitated in the NFL, and, and that story went a little long, so we thank you for, yeah, thanks for hanging yeah, out we, with We us. showed the video of the hit. He was going across the middle inside the 10-yard line and got hit by, was it the Mayo from the Patriots? Yeah. And, and, it wasn't and, pretty. Oh, my gosh. I have a headache right now from watching that. He took us through that, so we got to you a little bit late. But what a great story by De- by Dennis Pitta. Man, it's it's incomprehensible. Like, you guys know this. I mean, you do this every week. But being up close and watching the physicality of these hits, like the speed and the full-on, it's, it's incredible. Hey, and, it, and in college football, it's it's crazy. Like, sometimes yep. I'm down there now, Mark, and, and then I'll, I'll go back and I'll go, Man, I used to do that. Was I out of my mind? Like, what was I even thinking out there? But then you take it the next notch up, and you're in the NFL, and Ray Lewis is out there, and all those, you know, because Dennis oh, yeah. played with Ray, and, and it's it's a it's another level. Um, just like college basketball, we're lucky. I can sit, you know, I can sit courtside. Dave and I do, and we watch it, and we just marvel at the athleticism. Like, man, these dudes are so big and so athletic. And then the NBA is a whole other level, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's it, it and in the, it's the same. I mean, it's a different physicality, but it's the same feel of watching the how athletic these guys. You know, it's it's you almost wish everybody could go to an NBA game and sit courtside one time because it just is. It's so different than watching it twelve rows up. Like it just is different, and uh, that's why these athletes are greatest athletes in the world. Hey, let's start with a football story uh, since we were with Dennis, and really one of the greatest uh, magical recruiting moments of your life or at least it had to be arizona state is here you got colin chandler in for a visit you take him down onto the field and he slaps the team runs by and he's in front of the rock and and all this stuff and and arizona state gets the ball first they happen to choose down where you are and they fumble the kickoff and byu recovers it to three and then tyler algier scores the next Two plays later, the place is going bananas, and you got this kid you're trying to convince that BYU is the place for you. How powerful of a moment was that? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I asked Kalani if he would make something spectacular <laughs> happen early on just to help us. Uh, it's, you know, I'm telling you, uh, you, you walk into that Lavelle Edwards Stadium, uh, especially for a big game like that, and especially with the way. BYU football is performing right now with all the juice around that program. And you get to start a game like that. And then, I mean, come on, the, the, maybe the greatest play in, in the entire football yeah. season. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of things working in our favor uh, <laughs> that, that day for sure. When, well, you looked at, when you looked at Colin as he's watching this, uh, what kind of impact did the moment – have on him not that the BYU won the game or that the band played or this or that but but you're looking for a moment on this visit to get him to take you even more seriously and then eventually you land him well you know one of the things we talk about um all the time and we crunch the numbers and uh uh we we, we you know we give all the data on our fan base on our fan base social media wise, on our fan base worldwide reach, on our fan base touches with BYU TV and everything you guys do and how it sets us apart. And and it's one thing to do that in a boardroom on a PowerPoint uh, is as colorful and dynamic as (laughs) I might hope to be. But it's another thing when when you actually get to feel it live in person, um, the, the, the passion of Cougar Nation. And so 
there were so many instances, you know, Colin also came to midnight madness, which is, yes. you know, midnight madness is kind of like a, 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 a bygone era, except here at BYU. And, um, you know, the fact that, you know, everyone's moved it to 7 PM and it's a watered down scrimmage or whatever. And the fact that Cougar nation shows up at midnight and, and we do this deal, uh, you know, he got a bunch of touches where he felt, um, where he felt, you know, what Cougar Nation was, and and uh, it's special, you know. I mean, clearly, there were a lot of things that went into go into every recruit's decisions, but uh, you, you know, when you're when you're battling to recruit, uh, those moments are those are yeah. gifts from heaven. You, sure. you and I have talked a lot, Mark, about what a special place BYU is, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, amazing, right? But the Marriott Center and that fan base over there, like some of the most exciting. Uh, calls I've ever been on, and I've done games in the Atlantic 10 and the ACC and in the pack, right there in the Marriott Center uh, with, with your guys, the, the Gonzaga game there. I mean, I go back, uh, you know, b- before you're at the Jimmer's era when, when Kawhi Leonard was in here and San Diego State and BYU were going, I called that game. If you can get a recruit in that environment in the Marriott Center and they can see that, how powerful is that? And is there any place in the country where football and basketball, the fan base is like this one here? It, it, I mean, we're certainly we're certainly in a rarefied air that way. And there's some things that set us apart, um, which you guys experience every week, too, which is it's not just at home. Like everywhere we go on the road, like, you know, everywhere we go on the road, there's two sections it, it, at least, you know, in the WCC, sometimes it's the entire gym. Yeah. Yes, it <laughs> exactly. is. Uh, but everywhere we go on the road and it's and it's not that we travel great. It's just everybody lives there. And and um and so it's a, you know, listen, we're super blessed, man. We're super blessed to, to be able to compete with this fan base. We're super blessed to be at an institution that where, where, um, where there's a connection that's so deep. Uh, we're super blessed to, to be able to um, compete, uh, to win, and to re- represent something that's even bigger than winning. Uh, so, so we're blessed to be here, no doubt. If you had stayed in medical school, what do you think you would have done today? Would you perform some surgery? Would you have checked on patients? No, I'm what do you think? Sure I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be at the office at seven thirty. <laughs> That's probably true. You might be in the OR at you seven thirty. You might be in the OR. Do you ever That's think great. about that? If I hadn't done that to go coach, and 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 coaching has been great for you, and and but but you're in med school. You make a big choice. And had you stayed in med school, this would be you'd be Doctor Pope on our on our show. Would be having a whole different interview. You know what I um. I actually, I'm so, I'm so blessed because I, I really never think about that, um, yeah. which, which maybe is surprising to me too, but uh, we just, we, you know, Leanne and I have been, and we're so grateful that we've kind of found uh, our calling and, and um, kind of found what we were meant to do. Did you meet Leanne before, during, or after med school? No, uh, no, Lee and I, we were in the league together for a long time. Ah, so, okay. And then, and then, you know, she was crazy enough to allow this med school saga. <laughs> so was it her that. idea or your idea to do the med school? No, no, she thought it was dumb. She, no, no, that's overstating. <laughs> she thought it was dumb? That's overstating. That's not true. She's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I could see her doing that. She's, she grew up with she, yeah. She yeah. Her her dad was a as a coach yeah. as as most as most people know. So she grew up with basketball, and it, it, could there be a better match and 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 teammate for you uh, than Leanne? 
You, yeah, but I mean, it's really the other way around. Like I'm her supporting cast. You know what I mean? Yes. She's, she's the dawn of the deal. So <laughs> uh, no, I'm. Uh, come on, man. I mean, how lucky am I? You're pretty lucky. Yeah, we, yeah. we will. We will admit. What advice did Leanne give you prior to officiating at Alex and Zoe Barcelo's wedding? <laughs> and how did that come about? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I mean, um, listen, there's, <laughs> there's, there's so many great things uh, about coaching. There's some challenging things too, but um, you, you know, you, you just get to you get to bear witness to these young people um, fighting to become who they're going to become, right? And so, it's just a it's a it's a gift. You know, who gets to do that? Um, you know, it's it's somewhere in the in the in the teaching, mentoring uh, genre of careers. Except, um, it's just it's just like you got so much intensity and emotion surrounding every moment of, and so much vulnerability, right? And so, um, you know, it, it, it just is, and it's special to be able to be, a, you know, a part of these these guys' lives after basketball. It's one of the things that um, that is one of the greatest blessings in these jobs is is um, you know is maintaining these connections with guys uh, over. You know, I've been coaching now for I don't know twelve years, thirteen years, right? So I'm I got players that are over a decade post basketball playing and, and, um, you know, connect, you know, I just was, uh, exchanging texts with, with, uh, my very first point guard at Utah Valley university, uh, who is, you know, now living in Nebraska and, and crushing it in the medical field. And, uh, that's a long time ago. And, and so building these relationships again, to be a part of these kids' lives is really special. Well, listen, what's, what advice did you give Alex? This is this is a wide-ranging yes. topical show here, uh, as as a head coach slash officiate at a wedding slash marriage counselor. What uh, what what'd you tell him? Uh, it was super simple. Just do whatever Zoe tells you to do. <laughs> one, I mean, one because that's the right thing to do. Two because she's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, you know, it actually, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, so. They they had been dating before Alex ever came here, right? And um and and Zoe was actually an important part of him staying in basketball, making the decision to stay in basketball, and then and actually uh, she was crucial to him actually making a decision to come to BYU. And so I've got to watch their relationship um, uh, grow over the last several years. So like I said, super special. Yeah. yeah, it's a he, yeah. Hey, Mark knows. We all know when the mom's happy, everybody's happy. I've right? seen you give. That's that's the fact the, of life, brother. The only thing I was thinking about as we were preparing for the interview is we've seen you give your pep talks in the locker yes. room, and 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 so I'm going. Okay, Coach Pope's yeah. at a wedding. He's in charge. Yeah. What you, this has got to be something what, I want to see. Yeah, I wish I could have been there. To wish <laughs> you, you know, we talk we talk Mark about relationships. Such a such a, an amazing part of being a coach is these these relationships. And, and being able to coach and recruit is really about connecting to guys. I, I think about your past. You were the Pac-10 freshman of the year at Washington, and then you decided to transfer. So you leave Washington, and you go to Kentucky, um, where you're a team captain there. You guys win a national championship in 96. How does that experience a bit? Because today it just feels like guys are transferring, and you're getting helped by the transfer portal. Sometimes it hurts. Does that help you, that experience you had, 
connect to these guys and understand these guys a little bit better, what you've been through? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, uh, my, my situation was uh, <laughs> unfortunate. You know, I was, a, I was a team leader at University of Washington, uh, and, and my coach there gave me a lot of freedom to help us win, and we couldn't do it for two years. So after my sophomore year, he got fired. And so that, you know, that was, it was a super tough uh, deal for me. Um, but I do think um, that this is, uh, this transfer portal is not going away. I think it's just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Right, you know, right now we finally achieved full free agency where yeah. um, you, can, you can jump to the portal every single year and kind of get an automatic waiver every year. And it's good and it's bad guys. Like it's yeah. good and it's bad. There's, it's just like everything in life. It's really, really great. And it also comes with challenges and responsibilities. And so um, I think it's a part of our game. Uh, I do think that um, me having, having gone through that experience, I, I, I can understand um, some of the dynamics involved. Um, and there's things you don't think about all the time. Um, you know, when you transfer, you're rolling into a program with established guys that have been there for a while. And all of a sudden you're coming in as a, as another veteran player. Um, and, and, and so there's some interesting dynamics that happen there yeah. uh, that you need to manage on a locker room. And, and you're also, uh, you know, as a player, you're leaving somewhere where you've had a, a fan base and, and uh, teammates that have supported you. And, and that can be super complicated. And, and um, everything in between. And so it just, it's a it's a part of our life right now. Like I said, it's really, really terrific. And it's it's also going to be challenging for everybody. And and uh, it's something something that, you know, hopefully we'll figure out and do well. Just a few more questions with BYU basketball coach Mark Pope here on the Wise Guys tonight. How many airports have you been in in the last <laughs> yeah, month? Exactly. Oh, or continents. Uh, what co- if you know, you how can many remember. continents might be easier? Uh, we remember. know you were in Africa. So but let's just let's just start with one airport. And, and how many? How many have there been? Uh, so my best story is, uh, <laughs> just, well, I mean, I don't know if it's my best story, but, um, you know, I, I took a, I went to the U18 championships in Europe in, 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 uh, Izmir, Turkey, which was actually super fun. Cause I played right, uh, right. T- for two teams in Turkey. Um, and, and it was unbelievable, you know, former teammates now are the, the president of the Turkish Federation and the vice president of the Turkish Federation wow. and coaches. And so, to go back was super fun. Um, and then, and then went to the U18 championships in, in, in Africa this year. Um, they, they were barely in Africa. They put them in the middle of the Indian ocean in Madagascar. <laughs> wow! Uh, so, um, you know, the, the trip was great, but you, you run into all kinds of things. Like, um, I had to have going from, so, uh, uh Mauritius, island right off of madagascar so i went from uh from dubai from from is from izmir to dubai to mauritius and then in mauritius i had to get a, a covid pcr test <laughs> oh, oh yeah and then i got an hour flight and before I, they allowed us to exit this little room, we had to get a, a, a covid antigen test oh no so you know it just is you know, it's interesting. Hey, just a day, just a day in the life just of a, a college. Did basketball you find coach. some guys? I know you're looking for guys. You find some. You know what? Uh, it's it's actually super exciting. Um, the the talent. It, it, there are so many players. There are so many talented players. There's so many. 
you know, there's so many talented players and there are so many talented players everywhere in the world. And, and uh, it, it, it is, it is such an incredible thing to watch these young people chase their dreams with all the passion in the world. It's super humbling. Um, you know, I was in the, speaking of Africa, I was in uh, the NBA academies. If people are familiar with those, they have NBA academies in America, Europe, uh, the World Academy team, Africa Academy team in Senegal. They meet every year and they have the, um, the, the NBA Academy games. And so the world, the world team is, 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 is the one team supported by NBA Academy that's allowed to pull from everywhere. And so it should be the dominant force. And this year, the Africa blue team won the championship. And I was there and watching these kids who come from incredibly humble backgrounds in most cases celebrate and the continental pride that they had after this deal and how far the game has come is, is in, it just is inspiring. So it's super yeah. fun. You know, you're, you're at these, uh, these, these um, continent championships, these, you know, these U18 FIBA events and before every uh, game, the two teams line up and, and they'll play both teams national anthem and to watch these kids from these different countries um, like sing full voice their national anthem with so much pride. It's just, it's, it's special, man. Like who gets to do that? It's, really it's, cool. it's, it's that, that is such a, such a cool experience. And, and, and then you know, people wonder, okay, so he's over there doing all this. There are kids all over the world that fit the profile that will make great players and great members of the campus community right here at BYU from all over the world. Right. Yes. Um, no doubt. Like, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the more I get to know BYU, the more convinced I am that very few people understand it. And what I mean by that, I don't mean very people. I guess I mean the perception of BYU um, in so many instances, in so many instances, uh, BYU is actually the best home for kids in the entire country. And it's not even close. And um and these are kids from all over the world, from every different background and every different persuasion and every different ideology and social status. Uh, the, the, BYU is an incredible home, and it, it's proven to be that for our guys. Um, and, it's, you know, our locker room is built special that way, and our fan base has been so unbelievable to these kids. And, uh, you know, what our guys are doing right now with their respective foundations and businesses and charities is just like, guys – I'm telling you, it's story after story. You just can't believe it. Braden Moore, Noah Waterman, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, Heyo Dong, three return missionaries, Dallin Hall, Richie Saunders, and Tanner Toulson on Meet the Team Night. That's a lot of We're new gonna faces. We're going to need some time. That's a lot of new faces. Yeah, really. I mean, we're going to have to do, <laughs> do a, double, a double practice just yes. to get to everybody. So how how you feeling about that group? Because there's a lot to meld in, and you you know, pride yourselves on having the best locker room in America. There's that yeah. part of it behind the scenes, and then getting to the – you know, if you can do that, then they seem to play well together out on the floor. What what can people expect from this new group? Um, that's a great question. I can't wait to get them all together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we we just we'll close we'll close our eight week uh, summer workout session tomorrow, and and we're still three players shy of having everybody here. Um, uh, so far, what I'm seeing is a is a is a, we're really long through the middle. Um, I think we're really skilled one through five right now, which is, which is exciting for us. I think these guys, uh, 
um, there, there's this thoroughbred nature. These guys want to get up and down the floor, like probably way more uh, than than our teams the last uh, couple of years. It just is like it's, all, it's almost impossible to hold them back right now. Um, we're we're certainly smaller. Uh, um, I think we're, we're way more skilled one through five. It's going to be a fun group. Um, you know, we're young. That's a little bit terrifying. We're young and new. Uh, it, this will be the youngest, newest team that we've had here in, in college basketball. Uh, for the most part, that has not bode well for teams. But, but we do have a group of guys that, um, wow, in, in the next couple of years, the ceiling is incredibly high, and uh, we're excited about it. Really athletic, really skilled. When people think getting up and down the floor, you know, they're thinking of offense and fast break and at elevation. That's always a big advantage for BYU. D- does that translate to the defensive end too? So, is this a team that can yeah. can really pressure people and create turnovers? Yeah. So, for, for the first time in my tenure here, we had a 15 minute segment today in practice, uh, full court press. Nice. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> and it, it was, guys, it was chaos uh, <laughs> it, in, in the best sense and the worst sense. And, um, you know, that's the way I, that, I mean, that was my, that was our DNA when I played in college. Yes. Right? That's what you did so, at Kentucky, right? Certainly a different time, uh, right now, but, but, um, I think this team is super excited to extend this floor, like yeah. on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we'll see, you know, everybody says that actually every single coach in America, all 357 of us <laughs> are saying the same thing right now. We'll see. You, we'll, we'll check back in in January. Yeah, but you know I'm what? Doing. Like you're, you're excited. They're all saying that, but, yeah. but we haven't talked to you before season, um, before where you've where you've talked about man i this team one through five is skilled and we're going to really be able to get up and down the floor and be able to defend maybe full court that's new so that's that's good news that's fun yeah i i I think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a really fun group i I really do um so we'll see it's uh you know obviously we've got a we got an incredible amount of work to do but but this is gonna be a, a this is gonna be a fun you know we we um this is a this is a little bit of a. I mean, we're having a new page with the last year in WCC and the first year in the Big Twelve for sure. And and this uh, this is a little bit of a new era for us. It's a, you know we kind of finished the first three year stance and and we're starting some things new right now to try and grow into this new situation we're in. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun next three year segment. Five quick questions for Coach Mark Poe. Yep. And then we have to have you back because. People want to know so much, but we, we're not going to keep you long tonight because Leanne's going to kill us, and we don't want that. Plus, you're keep due for a swim here. Yes, you got to get to the o'clock. pool where you belong. Favorite, so. favorite sports movie? I mean, like, I would feel like I'm betraying all things basketball if I don't say Hoosiers. <laughs> okay. That's my second is it's Hoosiers. My, 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 my first is Remember the Titans. That's good. And Rocky, who had Rocky? Who said Rocky the other day? I can't remember. Was it Mark said, Wilson said Mark Rocky? Wilson might have said Rocky. So, so can I t- can tell you guys an experience? Yeah. So yeah. let me tell you what's great about generations, okay? All right. So I have four daughters. They're incredible. They are competitors. They're tough, and they're hilarious. So the first time Leanne and I sat down and watched Rocky 1 with the girls, mm-hmm. okay, I remember in my childhood, Rocky one being really slow until you got to the fights. My girls were crying. That's awesome. Sylvester Stallone is so funny yeah. in Rocky one. Yes. If you haven't seen it that way, you need to watch it again. Cause it's straight. Like there's some type of like almost Adam Sandler quality to it. I can't <laughs> 
Oh. All right. Uh, favorite band or singer? Ooh, boy. This should this should be easy for me. That's really hard. Dennis Pitt just went country on he us. He went country on us. To somebody I've never yeah. even heard Kane of. Kane Brown. He went Kane like, Brown on us. I mean, I would, I, I, I'm going to date myself. I would go Marvin Gaye 100%. Like, I got a history hey, there. I'm, I'm it doesn't okay sound like he's going to commit to that, though. Why aren't you going to commit to that? Go with your I gut. Just I just don't know if I can. I, I just don't know. Like, <laughs> Mark, go some- with your gut. Like, I'm a hip-hop guy growing up in New York playing basketball, and these guys don't even understand it. Dave's ACDC. I accept him. I still love him, even though he's ACDC. I just don't understand can, most of the words in We can love you if you like song. Marvin Gaye. So are you going to go um, like you it's like Marvin you're Gaye? trying to sell a recruit right here? Are you are, are you, you in on Marvin Gaye or do you just still want to go out on Twitter and look around for a little bit? Just, just just for the sake of efficiency, let's go Marvin. Okay, Marvin. Marvin <laughs> don't Gaye. hold me that because if you ask me that in a week, I'll give you. A different We're allowing you well, to change. It's you Marvin can change. Gaye. Just Marvin Gaye today. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh my gosh, I'm not allowed to eat breakfast cereal anymore, guys. I'm getting so fat. Like I'm okay. getting so. First of all, you're six eleven, and you're not. You're not fat. I can't do breakfast cereal anymore. Leanne has forbidden me. Have you seen, Have you seen Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. Because I, I'm about to say to you, hey, Mark, are, are you drinking skim milk because you think you're fat? Because you don't need to. You can drink whole milk. <laughs> so, so, anyhow, so cereal's out. Favorite, not even at night. It's just out you, for the whole day. A, you had a favorite before Leanne put the clamps before down. the hammer came well, down. I, I'll tell you what I love. I love. Um, um, uh, what is the, the, the toast, the little toast? C- cinnamon uh, Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That, that is popular. Dennis Pittis, that is so popular. That is popular. You don't understand. I would kill, I would kill like six bowls of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> See, that's, maybe love, that's the problem. I love that. Maybe Leanne's more concerned that. with the six yes. as opposed to a bowl. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I, Brenda told me the other day, this wasn't very nice, but, well, two things. First of all, I said, honey, I need to lose 15 pounds. And she goes, well... If you want to lose 15 pounds of ugly fat really quick, just cut off your head. I was like, okay, that, that was hurtful. That's not, that was pretty hurtful. And then she said that you've been doing all this working out. You're jacked as heck. You can lift a house, but the exercise you need to do is push aways. Push away from the fridge, push away from the table, <laughs> right. push away from the cupboard, especially after 7 p.m. So good advice from my wife, and I'm yeah, going to up my good. pushaways over the next couple. By basketball, I'm going to be lean and mean, Mark. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, you can't outwork a bad diet, guys. That's right. So. Best player best player you ever had to guard in the NBA? Michael Jordan, no doubt. Oh. And how'd although, that go? Although, although, in terms of like just an offensive talent that was going crazy, Tracy McGrady. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah, those. Hey, that's, that's, tell that's, me, that's pretty awesome. Tell us you swatted at least one of Jordan's shots. No, I've told you guys this. So yeah, no, I so, know. You know, we, like I got little spot switches and stuff against Mike. For example, when I was playing with Indiana in the Last Dance, there were little most right switching mm-hmm. guard him. Yeah. But the only time I guarded him, guarding him, I was playing for Milwaukee, and he was with Washington. Oh, and okay. so we started the second half, and George calls like, "Hey, we're switching you on to Mike. Let's go." And so. <laughs> The third quarter, like six minutes in, he had scored 13 points in the quarter, and I had picked up three fouls. It's not good. <laughs> so that's how hey, that went. That's, you know, that's, that, like, that's old Mike. Yeah, that's, that's old right. Mike. That's out of that's retirement. That's almost a wheelchair Mike. Mike. Yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> like, it's still Mike, though. It's Mike. So, okay, last one. Favorite hamburger joint. And this is for you, not necessarily the one when you buy it for the entire student body. And this is, it doesn't matter that you are on a diet right now of some sort for no reason What's your favorite hamburger joint? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going throwback. Okay. 
because because my mom just got in town. She she's actually mom and dad are at the house. So uh you may not know of this place, but Flaky Jake's. Flaky Jake, Flaky where is Jake's. it? Drop the mic. I'm going. freaking believable. Flaky Jake, where, where is, is that? It? Washington? Is that in Washington? I'm going. Flaky Jake's was nationwide. It was just it's you guys are too young. No. Not me. I'm old. Listen, we're older than you. What are you talking about? Lady Jake's a game changer. What? What are you? Is it in Washington? Yeah, this must be. That's where I was enjoying it. That's the Washington. only place okay, I believe I'm it is. I'm gonna look it up, and if it's still in Washington, when I'm in Seattle in a couple weeks, I'm going. And I'm gonna try second, it. Second, second best ever. A very close second is Burger Master. Where's it's a Burger one Master? spot drive-in, uh, just on the opposite side of Lake Washington uh, from the University of Washington, like over by Bellevue, Bellevue, or no? Burger Master is a game changer. Okay. I thought Flaky, I thought Flaky Jakes was I, a game changer. I spend a lot of time. Was that a mic drop? Just, Flaky Jakes is generational. Okay. Mark, I was just in Seattle last <laughs> week, and if I would have known this, I would have absolutely gone to one of those two, but I'm going to do it next time. Just drive across the 520 bridge to Kirkland, Okay. and it's, you get, it's like the second exit to your left. I'm going. Change if you get lost, I'm going. just ask anybody where I'm Flaky going. Jakes is. I, I, I think Flaky Jake's. I think Flaky Jake's out of business. To be honest, with you, I don't <laughs> but think Burger Masters is not. Burger Masters. It's still. I don't think Flaky Jake's was upholding the health code. Actually, <laughs> no wonder it was so good. <laughs> oh, it was good. Isn't that interesting oh, that we went goodness. from I don't eat breakfast cereals to how great <laughs> Flaky Jake's Flaky and Burger Master. <laughs> I love it. Clearly, clearly, I have a food problem. Guys. <laughs> I love it. So, hey, join the club. We love you for that, bro. Coach. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll look forward to getting together before the season for our annual lunch and, and yep. break down the team. But uh, everyone's excited about the the new blood that's here and the big challenge ahead. And we sure appreciate your time. Yeah, so great to have you on, Mark. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, I appreciate appreciate everything you guys do for BYU sports, man. Really. So thank, thank you so much. You. Promise me you're going to get a late night swim in something yes. at the pool. And the next time we do so this, this was going to be an interview I hope in the pool. You're sitting by the pool with sunglasses on. So here's the deal: I got an 8:30 bishop break. So oh. maybe maybe after that. Okay. All right, <laughs> brother. All right, boys. Thanks, Thanks coach. Mark. See ya. Mark Pope. We look forward to seeing the Cougars take the floor at the Marriott Center, and we mentioned all those names. Uh, uh, we're seriously meet the team night. It's going to have to be extended. Yeah, and hey, how fun! Like, so, so the one nugget about this team that I'm taking away from this is, he feels like this is a really athletic, um, long group, skilled. When he says we're skilled one through five, that means that the fours and the fives can go out on the perimeter and shoot. They can handle the ball. They can defend on the perimeter. And he hasn't, he hasn't really had, um, you know, what he's talking about. And he's even saying they may be able to extend the floor and defend full court. They actually practiced a little bit this last week. That's fun. I mean, so great. You get teams in the Marriott Center when that place is full, and you get up and down the floor, and you pressure, and you push the ball in transition on offense. You run teams down, and you score a lot of points. I'm, I'm kind of getting – I was already excited. I'm kind of yeah. getting a little more excited about this team. And he's been all over the world, so it's so cool to have him on. Yeah, so fun. For and for him to minutes. take the time – because he really has been traveling like a crazy man. And for him to come spend some time with us is a big deal. Right. Let's we, let the networks really appreciate it. Let the networks know we're going over hey, time tonight. Look at Flaky Jakes. Yeah. Flaky Posted Jakes. right there. We're going over time tonight, affiliates. Yeah. <laughs> out there just just for a minute but we, gonna, we, we could save some of what we had for next week we're gonna take uh there's a lot going on that we want to get you posted on so when you're done with us over the next few minutes you'll know yep. exactly what's going on here on campus and um which is one of the great novelties of our show and uh, we're so glad that you stuck with us at wise guys 
Twitch.com. You can go down and click the purple button on Twitch, get a free account set up, and that allow you to ask questions for us and our guest, Marie Osmond, here next week interviewing Robbie Bosco. But right on. Let's, uh, one of the buzzes going on is this TV situation. Brett McMurphy of CBS Sports tweeted out today, the Big Ten finalizing media rights deal with Fox, CBS, which is a surprise, right. and NBC, which is a surprise. If true... It'll be the first time in 40 years that Big Ten football and basketball will not be on ESPN. What could this mean for BYU and the Big 12? Well, I, I think that's bandwidth for ESPN. And, and hey, those networks are great, and their over-air carriage is great. But ESPN's slogan is real. It is the worldwide leader in sports, right? Yeah. And so uh, that means more bandwidth, more time slots, for, for the Big 12, perhaps, with ESPN. And you know what? And may actually be good for Utah and and for the, the Pac-12's deal because maybe ESPN comes back and maybe they sweeten it a little bit um, because they're not going to be part... If, if they've truly... If what we're hearing is true and they said no to the Big 10, we're not going to spend $385 million or whatever it was. Um, a year. A year. That would be that would be interesting. And I, and I think it's it means good things for the Big 12. And it probably means good things for the... Pac-12 you know, Pac or the Pac-10? For a while there, there was the talk that NBC might come over to the Big 12 right? so that Notre Dame Saturdays could have a doubleheader. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, NBC's over talking to the Big 10 well, for that here, same and, and, kind and of a remember, thing. remember, the Big 10's going hard after Notre Dame. That's an interesting twist. Yeah. And, and, and back when I did a bunch with, with NBC, NBC was kind of getting out of the college game. And now apparently I they're mean, not. When I first worked with NBC, we, we had all... We had, in college football, you had the old Mountain West Conference, you had the Colonial Athletic Association, you had the Ivy League, you had, um, you know, a bunch of properties. And then in basketball, you you were in multiple leagues. And over time, they've gotten out of everything but Atlantic 10 basketball and Notre Dame football. So for them to be back into the – because they've gone to NASCAR and to all of these other sports – um, and stayed stayed with the Olympics and with golf. So for them to be back in college sports with the Big Ten, that's big news yeah. for NBC to be back in. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. ESPN suddenly has, hey, if they're out yeah. of the Big Ten, then um, there's room. Right. There's room for the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Friday night, Thursday night, Saturdays, along with the SEC. Ab- absolutely. So, so we'll keep you posted on that, but that, that actually happened today. an interesting today. development today. Yep. Let's jump over to soccer a couple of pages over in our notes. We're going to skip yeah. through some since our interviews were so well, good. We'll, we'll cover some of this stuff a little next bit week longer. With you. Yeah. Hey, we'll take those interviews. We'll take we'll take Dennis and Mark <laughs> all day every day. So number three, women's soccer. They're out of the gates against number ten North Carolina. It's an exhibition game on Saturday. You can listen to it on BYURadio.org. Home opener is August 29th against Colorado on BYU TV. Yeah, make sure, make sure it's a great team. Field, number three yeah. in the country. Yeah, and this is a team we had Jen Rockwood on. I mentioned earlier in the show how awesome it is and, and the confidence that this team plays with. But hey, this is a team that can compete for a national championship again this year, right? Which is pretty awesome. Every year, that's that's the mode they're in right now. They don't they just reload, um, and then they just send they send people to the national team, and uh, and that's that's how BYU soccer rolls now. So it's yeah. pretty awesome. So. Women's basketball, Amber Whiting signed Gabby Bosquez. Comes to BYU after two years at Arizona State, mm-hmm. 5'7". Going to bring some P5 experience to the roster. Played in 44 games with the Sun Devils. Whiting calls her another playmaker. We mentioned uh, Coach Whiting 
targeted for August 30th right here on the Wise Guys. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. We're we're really excited to have Coach Whiting on with us, and and they need playmakers. Yeah. Um. And and so to hear hear her described as a playmaker is is good news for BYU. So. Cougar kickoff, grand event coming up Wednesday, August 17th. That's from 6 to 8.30 over at the practice fields north of the Student Athletic Building. This is a chance for fans, to those who are in town, can come mix and mingle with the student athletes, pictures and all that stuff. There'll be activities, a DJ. We won't be the DJs, and nope. DJ won't be the DJ. DJ, how come you're not the DJ? Seems like you would be. He just shugs. He doesn't uh, know. Yeah, he he doesn't, doesn't know. know. Anyway, um, 6 to 8.30. Wednesday, August seventeenth, the mission's free. Should be a lot of fun for everybody. And, and you mentioned food trucks. That's something you know. Mark sounds like he's got the same food problem I do, but I'm not seeing it. <laughs> Mark says no, he is not. Mark's trim and long. Like yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. With he's that cereal thing. He's yeah. Let's talk about the USA Today coaches preseason poll. Yeah. This is this is a, a hot button issue that we want to spend a couple of minutes on here in the last little bit of our show this week. BYU not in the top 25 of the coaches poll. Nonsense. Okay, they're 29th if you stack them all up. Behind Iowa, Penn State, and Tennessee, that doesn't make sense. But uh, if you look at the voting, Notre Dame's 5, Baylor's 10, Oregon's 12, Arkansas's 23. But for the love, Texas is 18. Come on. With one first-place vote. Someone picked Texas to be number one. Somebody's out of their mind. They went five and seven last year. And then USC all the way up to number 15. They went four and eight. And their quarterback is playing for Ole Miss. Yeah, and and you got a brand new coach. Now, mind you, the coach is excellent and typically rolls out big-time big offenses. But, man, so, did he show up with 22 new guys? Yeah, that's the question, right? Because they just haven't been – they haven't had Come the on. toughness to compete with Utah even in that league. And BYU – Beat the heck out of them at the line of scrimmage last year when BYU squad was depleted with injuries at the end of the year. BYU beat the, can I say crap? Yeah, we've yeah, like well, we can do that. BYU beat the crap out of them up front last year. Yeah, that's a joke of a poll, and and yeah. who knows if the uh, coaches even took I the th- time. I to think even the vote. SIDs get it, and the coach says just turn it in until we get into. The and, and I'll bet you Texas A and M said, so, you know what, Texas thinks they're so great. And, and, vote them number one. And, just and Utah, out of spite. hey, I respect Utah. They're Pac-12 champs, and they got like 17 starters back. But BYU beat five, went five and zero against the pack, including Utah. And oh, by the way, when BYU was healthy, that wasn't a fluke. They beat the crap out of Utah up front. And BYU has pretty much everybody back. A team that finished ranked. Yeah. How, how does they, how do they not start ranked? And, and we we expect, and all the projections are that they will be ranked in the preseason AP poll next when that Monday. comes out next Monday. And so next so, Tuesday we'll break that yep, that baby absolutely. down. Absolutely. If they're not on that one, I'll be flabbergasted. But I believe they will be on that one. So. General public can start buying single-game tickets tomorrow right? in the afternoon, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. That's Wednesday. BYUtickets.com, the home slate for the final years in Independent, includes number 10 Baylor, Wyoming, Utah State, last meeting in a long time. That is mm-hmm. going to be a fun night, Thursday night, General Conference weekend, yep. ESPN, primetime. Number 23, Arkansas, East Carolina, and Utah Tech. So tomorrow you can go and say, I want this game, this game, and this right. game, and, and buy up your seats. Fill, fill that place up. Need to be there. Big 12 title game is going to stay at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, well into the years of BYU being in the Big 12, which means they could go back, beat Oklahoma again. That's right. They're 1-0 in that facility. At, at Jerry's World. And uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad. That's a... That's where they had media day. It just looked nice, and, yeah. and it's the biggest stadium in the conference. Play the championship yep, game. I love it, and it's it's a great environment, and the state of Texas loves college football, so, no, that's great that it's extended. That's a good deal. Women's volleyball fall camp underway. Uh, Heather Olmstead, as Jerem Jordan tweeted out, 191-22 and in her first seven seasons 
including 47 and four over the last two years. Are you kidding me? They were 30 and two last season. Um, She's reached the sweet 16, five of her six years as a head coach. And they start August 26 at home um, with the BYU Invitational. They'll host Ryder and Duke in the, in a Friday doubleheader. Live coverage will be on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. So yeah, volleyball, Hey, BYU's, we keep saying it, BYU women's sports are in great shape and ready to go compete in, uh, in, tw- in, in the Big 12. So Okay, let's update you on BYU players in camps, and then we'll do this day in history, hey, and we'll get hey, out some of here. Guys are I know you got a plane we, to Jamaica got, yeah, to catch. Yeah, i got to catch a plane to Jamaica, but, which is true. Um, where do we put BYU in the AP poll? I, if I'm voting preseason, I have BYU probably 15. 15? Yeah. I'll go 15 to 20. Yeah, I'd have 15, and I, and I think they can play up from there. Um, if so I've done my homework, I'm going. That's a yeah. That's a top twenty. And somebody team. said, didn't BYU lose to TCU at Jerry's World? Did they? I don't think they played TCU down there, did they? I didn't think that. The, no. the Oklahoma game was the first game ever in the ever stadium. In the state. And I don't. They played. I don't think they played down in that state. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't we'll, remember we'll have that. To check. We'll so, have to check. and then somebody asked us our predictions for BYU's final record this season, and uh, I've already gone on the record. I think nine is the over under. Um, if Jaren health, if Jaren stays healthy, I think they're a 10, 10 plus win team. I think yep, they can get I to agree. double digits. Um, but, but I think nine is the over under this year in my mind. So. I agree. Uh, okay. This is a big week for Cougars in the NFL. Yes. Here's why there's 22 trying to make the teams. Right. Um, August 16th, next Tuesday, the rosters are trimmed from 90 to 85. Right. August 23rd, they go from 85 to 80 and then August 30th. That's 80 53. all the way to 53. Final 53 roster. So here's who's doing what and where you can watch them play this yep. weekend. So we start with Fred Warner, Niners and Packers, Friday night, 6.30 Mountain Time on the NFL Network. That's Fred's not trying to make a team. He's no, the best he linebacker the in the National Football Zach Wilson Kainaku, who moved linebacker this week. Right. Jets at the Eagles Friday. Uh, that's no, not on no TV, TV nationally. Tyler Algier, we already mentioned this, Falcons at Lions Friday for Mountain Time on the NFL Network. I like a 4 o'clock game. That feels well, right. Yeah, and, and we also have ta- uh, uh, um, BYU's all-time leading rushers also in that game. We're talking about Tyler because it's new. And, he's and, trying to, and Jamal, that's and, right. But Jamal's not trying to make a team either. He's a, and he's we a may fixture. mention him on the list. Yeah, he's down okay. here. So Taysom Hill, Daniel Sorensen, Saints at Texans not on, on Saturday. Uh, Neil Powell, Bills versus Colts Saturday, 2 p.m. Uh, Mountain. That's on the NFL Network. Dax Milne, the Commanders play the Panthers Saturday. I'm hearing that Dax Milne is not only going to make this team, he's going to Be play a serious yep. role that's, as a receiver. That's, that's what we're hearing. That's fantastic. We so mentioned Jamal. We already talked about Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis, Chargers versus the Rams on Saturday. Those are two fixtures, starters, long-term contracts. They're not at risk in any way, shape, or form. Kyrish Tonga, the Bears, against the Chiefs, and Andy Reid and Matt Bushman. Yep. Saturday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, NFL Network. Yeah, and Kyrus is not on the bubble. No. Kyrus is he good. Is, yeah, he's not. He, he is, is the bubble. He ate the bubble. Yeah, he ate the bubble. He <laughs> is the bubble. He's not on the bubble. Got, so, Sione Takitaki, Browns and Jags, Friday, not on TV. And Sione's pretty secure in his role there as yeah, well. Yeah, he's been a big playmaker. Boy, the Browns quarterback thing is a total mess. Oh, my goodness. Brady Christensen with the Panthers at the Commanders. So, it'll be Christensen and Milne reunited on Saturday. Yeah, and Brady's not at risk. Brady's a oh, starter. starter, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Harvey Longy, uh, Patriots versus the Giants, Thursday, Five Mountain on the NFL Network. Uh, we mentioned Matt Bushman, Zane Anderson, who's making some headway with mm-hmm. the Chiefs. They're at the Bears Saturday, as mentioned, 11 in the morning, NFL Network. Chris Wilcox, Samson Nakua, Tyson Williams, 
Colts at Bills, Saturday, 2 p.m., NFL Network. That'll be interesting. Yeah. They'll all be on the field. Yeah, that's cool. Troy Warner trying to make it with the Bucks. They play the Dolphins Saturday. Tom Brady turned 45 last week. That's Still crazy. cruising along. Like he's the same age as me at this point. Almost. Close. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and, were 45. You have that yeah, in common. You've been 45. Yeah, I was 45 You know what once. that's like. So, and then James Empey. Um, Cowboys at Broncos Saturday, 7 p.m., the NFL Network. All right, so those are the Cougars. We'll keep you posted each week. I think it's kind of fun to just run down yeah. where you can see them. We'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know every week. And who's making what team. So. All right, this day in history, you're not even going to believe in yeah. the next two minutes we're going to roll through this. Yep. You're not going to believe everything that happened on, on August, August 9th. 9th. It's a big day. 1483. We're going way back. The Sistine Chapel opened in the Vatican. How about that? Was that before Leonardo painted the ceiling, right? It had to be open yeah, before he yeah. could paint it. Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, I don't know what been. it was before. Yeah. Maybe it was a fixer-upper. Yeah. Uh, so. 1803, the first horse arrives in Hawaii. That's wild. So, 1842, U.S.-Canadian border is defined by Webster-Ashburton Treaty. How about that? Was it just a free-for-all for a while? Evidently, it wasn't that established <laughs> before 1842. 1898, German Rudolf Diesel obtains a patent for his internal combustion engine, later known as the diesel engine. That changed the world. Yeah. That changed the world. 1936, Jesse Owens wins his fourth gold medal of the Berlin Olympics in the 4 by 100 relay. How about that? That Was this, Was that not an in-your-face moment yeah it was 1944 Smokey the bear debuts as a spokesman for fire prevention for the u.s forest service on this day august Smokey 9th bear there you go Smokey the bear 1945 u.s drops a second nuclear bomb in nagasaki japan during world war ii how about 1974 richard nixon resigns as president amid the watergate scandal and gerald ford is sworn into office august wow. 9th I, re- I remember that. Now, now we're talking about stuff I remember yeah. in my lifetime. Here's something I remember, too. Yep, 1988, the Edmonton Oilers trade Wayne Gretzky to the L.A. Kings, and, and hockey becomes real in the, in the United what States. What do you think infected Canada more, watching the U.S. president resign or watching Wayne Gretzky go to the Kings? That killed him. That killed, that killed him. Birthdays, August 9th. Bob Cousy. Yeah, love 1928. Bob Cousy, great ball handler, 1928. Chris Haney. 1950. Who's Chris Haney? Oh, come on. He invented Trivial Pursuit for Pete's sake. We've He's all a trivi- played. That's a trivia question right there. Yeah. 1963, Whitney Houston. Yeah, that's 1963, Whitney Houston. She, By the way, now nah, I'm not going to give away my age because Whitney and I were born the same year, but now I just gave it away. You just did. Love Whitney Houston. Let me Houston. do the math on that. Deion Sanders um, and tragic death. If she didn't. Whitney's, yeah. Yeah, that's because, well, we're not even going to talk about her tragic but she had some great music. one of the greatest voices of all time and the greatest single rendition of the national anthem in history right? that's good that was good so Deion sanders primetime born in 1967 the world lived all that all those years without primetime yeah, and then primetime finally got it i don't even know what network tv called evening television because primetime wasn't yep. born until yep. uh deaths on august 9th hugo boss probably have one of his suits in your closet yep. and then jerry garcia 1995 still has ice cream named after him yep. cherry garcia the, from the Grateful Dead. And some people say he's still not dead. So he actually never died. <laughs> like Elvis. <laughs> uh, how about this? On this day in 1966, the Beatles released Yellow Submarine as a single in, a in submarine. the United States. Yep. A beautiful thing. And the number one movie on August 9th, 1998, Saving Private Ryan. Amazing and disturbing all at the same time. Yeah. Meg Ryan was pretty good in that. She's amazing. Uh, our Lavelle Edwards quote to write us out of here tonight. The difficulty in living our religion is when we haven't totally made the commitment necessary. Make the commitment, and it's a little easier. Lavelle, 
Great quote. Next week, Marie Osmond's going to be right here next to Blaine. And Robbie Bosco's going to be right here. Because Marie's going to interview Robbie. Yeah, and we're going to just kind of, you know, we're just going to be the facilitators. And uh, and Marie is going to come. Marie is a big BYU football fan. Yeah, a lot so of folks she's, don't know that. Marie's going to interview Robbie. And uh, and that's going to be fun. How and, fun is that going to be? <laughs> and we're going to. We're not, it could go any number of directions, but what we do know is it's going to go uh, Marie's direction. Yes, it is. And then we have a lot of questions for her, too. She sang National Anthem uh, at Stadium of Fire, just as the jets are flying over. And, and uh, we're going to ask her, what is that like as an artist? One, that song is so, one, it's hard to sing because everyone mm-hmm. knows if you miss a word. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows. And, um, and then it's emotional. Mm-hmm. And then as you're finishing, the jets come over. What is that like? Pretty cool. And then yeah. we'll ask her a lot of football questions, too. She's yeah. already got her seats for the... BYU Notre Dame oh, game yeah. in Vegas. They're sitting in uh, the Raiders owners box. Yeah. Of course, she's a, she's a legend along with Donnie down in Vegas. So that, of course. that is next week. We look forward to it. Uh, if you survive your trip to the, if I'm not unbelievably tan when I come back next week, then something wrong. went wrong. If you have third degree burns, no, we're I won't, talk I won't about get it. burned. I, I know how to lather up on that sunscreen, but I will be brown when I come back from Jamaica. Hey, our podcast will be up tomorrow, and then uh, look for clips on YouTube as well. And you can watch this show at ysguys.com uh, anytime. Uh, anytime and as many times as you want. Dennis Pitta was great tonight. And no matter where you are, hey, Corey's on with us from Japan again tonight for Pete's sakes. Wherever you are in the world, join us. Nice job, Corey. Thank you for for being with us. Uh, Thank Mark Pope. We thank Dennis Pitta, and uh, and we we thank you. Have a great week. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. What do you even say when you're going to Jamaica? You don't say aloha. You don't – what is it? No, what is the Jamaican They just say, uh, hello? Is that what they do over there? I just know that they're chill over there, so I'm going to go chill. He's going to chill. Jamaica's got a bobsled team, (laughs) right? What? What's the word? Yeah, peace. Oh, that's right. In Jamaica, we say, peace be the journey. (laughs) That's that's not what you say. That's (laughs) That's what what they they said. That's what they said. On the bobsled team. Peace be the journey. Thanks for that, DJ. Peace be the journey to all of you. Peace out. We'll see you next week. See ya.